The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. lovely that groove every time what's going on Derek Gunn how are you friend my brother how are you today it's so good to see you prior to our Monday night get together in Ocean City for the Monday night tussle with with the Eagles and the Buccaneers Mm, yes I know we'll be talking a lot about that game today uh my name is Mark Farzad I'm filling in for uh, the great Rob Ellis today so it's nice to be along for the sports take ride here on the Jacob Sports Channel. Hello to everybody in the chat. Uh, thanks for having me. I am a. Uh, I am honored to be a part of the party today. Uh, Gunner, we got a lot to get into. <laughs> I was kidding when I. I before the show, I just kind of ah, was drinking out of the mocha pot, but I, I wasn't really. It was just a pantomime gesture. But I All did. Right. I did crush my. Um, you know, just for the sake of charity, I crush or uh, consistency. I crushed my. That's my third. It's my third. But I've been up since five. I've been no, it's four thirty. I've been up since four thirty. You've had three espressos before noon. Actually, I've had zero espressos. This guy. I've had three espressos. Espresso. Espresso. Okay. Espresso, if you want to be fancy. Anyway. Excuse me. I went to the Abonics book. I went to the Abonics book. Okay. Espressos, espresso. It's basically TNT in a minuscule cup. That's what it is. Hold on. Do we still like Dude, like ebonics, I remember being in sixth grade and the term, like I first heard the term ebonics. Is that still, do is it still referred to as ebonics or is this just something you're pulling out of the Wayback Machine? 
I'm pulling. Uh, look, I'm referring to the Wayback Machine, but you know, I don't know what they say nowadays. I don't care. All I know is the bonnet <laughs> suits what I needed at that particular time. You know, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I, I want to know how much in the sports take bingo. I want to know how much the square was that was Ebonics. If you heard, if you were going to hear the word Ebonics in the first five minutes of sports take today, whether or not uh, you're going to win a lot of money. Well, you would probably win a lot of money if, if you bet on that one. I'll tell you that because it was a long shot, friends. It hey, was a long shot. Here's uh, all you need to know about this show. Yes. There are no rules. No holes barred. That's it. That's all you need to know. That's all I like. That's how that's how I like it, my friend. That's how I like it. But uh, welcome in. I got. I know you always tell me I got to acknowledge the chat. So let me acknowledge yes. the chat. All the wonderful people. people in the chat. Yes. Oh, they're they're fantastic. I, lo I love these people. Okay, Adams in here. What's up, Adam? Uh, JM James. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Farzi doesn't need a mic. He needs a muzzle. Oh snap! Oh um, oh, that's starting coming in hot uh, from a person. K K one F eight, wow. Uh, no holds barred. Okay, let's go. But everyone's cool. Everyone's great. Nice to see you guys. Happy uh, senior football. What's going on? Uh, says hello to you and I. And there you go. We're off and running, ladies and gentlemen. We're off and running. So what are we off and running to? Let's do it. Let, what are we off and running to? Well, the Giants. They took a huge loss last night. Saquon Barkley obviously going to be out for. It looks like three weeks. They were holding out hope that he'd be able to play. I never thought that was a legit thing, but they were holding out hope that he would play. Probably just BS. Uh, he did not play, obviously, last night. The Giants got spanked by the uh, San Francisco 49ers in Thursday Night Football. There was a fight in the stands. There was punches being thrown on the field, Gunner. It was pa pandemonium in uh, Northern California in Santa Cruz last night. So we'll get into that game. We got Jalen Hurts to talk about. I know you guys yesterday, you and Rob talked about A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. Um, I'm just going to throw this take to you on Sports Take here, Derek. You tell me if I'm crazy. I, I, I was sitting next to you when the little conversation, argument happened on the sideline of the Eagles game last Thursday night a week ago. You and I, Seth Joyner, Mike Misnelli, none of us jumped to, oh, God, there's going to be a great conflagration. Oh, they hate each other now. It's T.O. and it's uh, it's McNabb and oh, 4 It's uh, Nobody jumped to that conclusion. However, and this is what I'm curious to see whether or not you agree with me, things are going pretty well for the Eagles. They're 2-0. They're it's an yeah. imperfect 2-0, but it's 2-0. They're yes. coming off a Super Bowl appearance. They're coming off an MVP caliber season from their quarterback and all this stuff. I feel like people are desperate for some turmoil, like real turmoil, not just X's and O's. But in reality, I think the only problem with this team is X and O's. I don't think there is any semblance with anyone of a chemistry problem on this football team. But I think people are so desperate for drama with what will be another really good football season for the Philadelphia Eagles that they jumped on this A.J. Brown versus Jalen Hurts. Is it working? Is it not working? Is there miscommunication? Is there turmoil? I think people wanted that story to be so true. They tried to wish it into existence over the last week. Am I crazy to think that, Derek Gunn? Well, no. Well, first of all, you are crazy. But no, you're not crazy to think that. But if you watch this team closely, under, not just under um, the Nick Sirianni regime, but this team in general over the last several years, this is not a team or an organization that, that uh, spirals down into the cesspool of controversy. 
they are very meticulous about keeping whatever is ailing them in-house if there's something that's extremely wrong um, and they don't air their dirty laundry out in, in the public. Now, you know, we're sitting in the green room watching the game and we're going, oh, 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 okay. But then they went back to playing football. It's not like they swung punches at each other. It's not like, you know, uh, you had teammates separating dudes wailing on the sidelines. It is football. Tensions and frustrations and emotions. It's like a proverbial roller coaster ride. They're up and they're down. Um, I didn't. I didn't try to make too much of it, but I will say that I did say this. When you look at the number of looks that AJ has gotten through the first two games, he's frustrated. Wide receivers want touches. You know, a lot of people put wide receivers in a category of divas and some are let's face it you can say that about a number of positions you can say that about basketball players baseball players so on and so forth um i'm sure the frustration mounted because he's not getting the looks and i'm sure you know like every pass catcher whether they're open or covered he's telling them i'm open you know um the offense in general has not been as fluid as we thought it should be and, and, and would be up to this point um a lot of little things um but, but in terms of glaring issues that we're trying to f- slip in the back door and find, no, that's not what this team is. It's a high-character team. It has consistently been a high-character team. Now, do the Eagles have issues like other teams? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But you will never hear about those issues because they have guys there that keep that stuff well hidden. Hmm. But, what, but we, what we looked at, what we saw, should have been one and done. But here's what I will say, Mark. Right after the game, Nick Sirianni, even in a winning press press conference, was a little testy with the media about it. So that leads you to believe, uh-oh, maybe there's more to this. Nick Sirianni didn't really clarify it and squash it until Tuesday, four or five days after the game. So now you're still thinking, okay, now they're putting a blanket over it. I don't think there's a long-term problem at all between AJ and Jalen Hurts. They're best buddies. They go way back. It was in the heat of a moment. I don't know how you perceive it, but that's the way I see it. No, exactly that, the heat of a moment. Now, I know you and Rob talked a lot about uh, yesterday what A.J. Brown had to say in his locker. I love the idea of everyone, everyone gather around. I have something to say. And he brought everybody in, and Jalen Hurts was asked about it after it all went down at his press conference, and he was literally laughing at it. Um, But uh, we'll get into that conversation a little bit further. And also something we'll dissect. So A.J. Brown said yesterday it wasn't about targets. All right, fine. Let's just live in a world where you and I – which we don't, but let's live in a world for a second where you and I believe him and we think it's not about targets, okay? So what was it about then? We'll dissect that conversation as the show goes on today. We'll talk about the success of the Eagles running game because if I told you right now, Derek Gunn, who the third best rusher, (laughs) third leading rusher in the NFL is, if I told you it was DeAndre Swift, would you believe me? You mentioned this to me in the show meeting, and I answered you right away. But to be honest, I was answering you jokingly, and you said yes, and I'm like, what? Number three. He's number three in the league. He had one, what, one carry, two total touches in week game. one against yeah. the Patriots, and then just ran through the entire Vikings uh, defense in the, sec- in the second quarter and through the second half of uh, week two last Thursday night against the uh, the Vikings there, which was pretty remarkable. And I was just – I was going down a rabbit hole of stats, which I don't like to do, especially just two weeks in. And I was like, let me just look at the rushing leaders here. And I was like, oh, B. John Robinson's up there. Well, that's pretty impressive. But Christian McCaffrey, of course, is up there by a lot. And then I was like, DeAndre's, DeAndre Swift, what the hell? And there he was. 
number three on the list after hey look it's week two so yes you can have a game that's off the charts and be high but i wouldn't expect you to be third especially after one carry in week one that's just so, bonkers to me so you look you look at the stats and he's tied for 12th in carries 28 of those came in a second get in a second game so he's tied for 12th at 29 carries in two games and he's number three in rushing already now uh. By no stretch of the imagination do I expect this to be the norm. I do not expect DeAndre Swift to be getting in the mid-20s in terms of carries. You know, I think 17, right around there, 17, 18 touches is a good number for him, especially with his track history and injuries. But at that particular time, especially with Boston Scott out with concussion protocol, um, and for whatever reason, Rashad Penny is just not in their long-term plans, it doesn't look like for me, or, or bigger plans. He was just in there to give uh, DeAndre a breather because DeAndre was carrying the ball like 85 times in a row. Um, you know, he looks like he's going to be that so-called front feature back. But when Kenny Gainwell's healthy, Kenny's going to get his touch just to offset some of that. Mm -hmm. But I do believe around 18, 17, 19 catch, uh, touches out of the backfield is a perfect number for Swift. Long as he can hold up. Long mm -hmm. as he can hold up. Absolutely. But, but here's the other part of it. Listening to Nick Sirianni in the preseason, leading up to the season, through the first two weeks of the season, what has he said? Yeah, it's going to be a running back by committee, but, you know, we're also going to ride the hot hand. My point is, you, there's only two hotter hands in the NFL, and that's B. John Robinson, and that's Christian McCaffrey. So, as of right now, there's no reason to, to why DeAndre Swift shouldn't be your number one running back at this point. There's still going to be a committee, but if you need a big play, if it's crunch time in the fourth quarter, I want DeAndre Swift on that field because for whatever reason, man, they were cooking. They were absolutely cooking against the Vikings. I'd love to see that continue. Um, I, do believe, I do believe it is still going to be a running back by committee. Mm -hmm. it, could be, it could be game well Monday night if his ribs are healthy enough. It could be Boston Scott, you know, three weeks down the road. I don't think, and I've said this before, I'd be surprised if the Eagles had a single 1,000-yard rusher, the way they like to rotate their backs. I do believe they will be one of the top three, top five rushing teams in the National Football League, but I don't think we'll be looking at a potential 1,000-yard rusher uh, in this backfield. Okay, no, and that's still very, that's still very fair. I think as the season goes on, and yeah, you factor in the unfortunate inevitability of injuries, downs being missed, uh, possessions being missed, whatever it might be. Uh, yeah, I think I, I would absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, what should I take out of this, Gunner? Okay, we are looking at a situation here where the passing game has certainly not been up to par. And it's led a lot of people to question it, myself included. Jalen Hurts has been asked about it. Uh, Brian Johnson has been asked about it. He kind of had a shady answer on Wednesday about what happens when the defense takes away the first read of Jalen Hurts. And he said in week one against the Patriots, he liked what he saw from Jalen in terms of checking down to Kenny Gainwell, especially in the early goings of that game. But then he said nothing about game two. And it's like, wow, okay, that's interesting. Um, why wouldn't you say anything about game two, about when Brian Florence's defense took away the first read? Did he just not like what he saw? Was Jalen Hurts making bad decisions? So I say all that to ask you this question. How much should I be confident in the Eagles, at least in the passing game, looking like a much more improved team 
going from week two into week three, given this long layoff? Can we really look at weeks one and two with the two games in a, uh, a five-day span, Gunner, and say, all right, you know what? They didn't play in the preseason. You're working out the kinks. You're working all, all that stuff out. You're getting all the rust off. Now you'll be now you're going to be able to come back with extra rest in Monday Night Football with Jalen Hurts, an MVP caliber quarterback, and this offense with all the weapons and this great offensive line. How much can we be confident that Brian Floor, uh, Brian Johnson, and Jalen Hurts have uh, worked out the kinks in this offense between Week Two and Week Three? I think that's um, I think that's directly what happened is that you had two games in a short amount of time, and you had two great defensive coordinators throwing up a lot of phantom. Uh, looks across the line of scrimmage. You know, uh, Belichick is the best of the best at scheming. Brian Flores is a direct direct disciple of Belichick's. I guarantee you he talked to Belichick, looked at what Belichick was doing, and tried to emulate some of the same things. Now these guys have had extended time, 11 days between the last game and the next game, to sit back, to look at the film intensely um, and diligently and determine exactly what was working, what was not working, how did you miss that second and third read? What do you need to do to offset that? Because in Todd Bowles, here's another well-respected defensive coordinator you're coming up against Monday night. He likes to play that Tampa 2 defense, but those front seven guys, they love to play a lot of games. You know, So what is it going to look like? How long will it take the Eagles offense to figure that out? Um, that That's a huge question mark. And, of course, the game is magnified even more so because Tampa Bay – is a surprise undefeated team going into week number three as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go right ahead. No, I was just going to say, so when Jalen Hurts talked to the media yesterday, one of the first things that was asked of him, and you could almost just, you would assume this was going to get asked, just about his history with Todd Bowles and the, what, the NFL Films crew catching mm-hmm. a defensive coach on Tampa's side of the football during that playoff game two years ago saying he can't see it, he can't read it, he doesn't know what's coming, that whole thing that led everyone to jump on Jalen Hurts and say throughout that entire offseason he's got to improve on his accuracy, he's got to improve on his progressions, and he's got to improve on reading a defense. Well, last year I think he absolutely read defenses and read defense as well. Now the game is adapted. Now he's got to make the adjustment. As we all know, it's a game of adjustments. You know that cliche. Um, But Jalen Hurts also said, and I love this, because the greatest athletes find motivation in the littlest places, even if it has been far disproven for an entire season. People still talk about Jalen Hurts, one read wonder, can't read what's in front of him, and now he's going up against that team and that guy's defense where that was set about him in the playoffs two years ago. And Jalen Hurts even said, you know what, you don't need much to try to pull focus if you're a focused player. You keep your standard high. And if it's a little extra added motivation or more of a reason to pull focus, all the more reason to invite it in, all the more reason to use it, and a little extra added motivation never hurts. So it leads me to believe that Jalen Hurts still, despite last year's success, despite winning the NFC, despite going in the Super Bowl, despite playing phenomenally well in the Super Bowl, despite all the accolades and the finishing second in the MVP voting and coming into this year called the third best player in the entire NFL as judged by NFL players in the top 100, despite all that, he's still looking back on one of his lowest moments was a poor playoff performance, which was a poor playoff performance against Todd Bowles' defense. Gunner, I got to tell you, I love the idea that despite the – 
giant leap forward last year. What is still on rotation and repeat in his mind is that he can't read a Todd Bowles defense. Now, there's been struggles in the first two games. We talked about the confidence level over the last uh, week plus going into this one, but I love the idea of extra added motivation when it comes to trying to beat whatever defensive scheme Todd Bowles is going to throw in his face. It always fascinates me that football players in general need a little bulletin board material to get jacked up for a game. I've always been under the impression, look, first of all, you have the, the privilege and the honor of playing this game at the highest le level. You are fulfilling a boyhood dream to play this game at the highest level. It's not like the other three major sports in America where you're playing in consecutive nights or back-to-back -back nights. You get to do this once every seven days or once every four days if you're playing on a Thursday. Or, you know, once every two weeks and when you get to your bye week. You, that should jack you up enough. You're, getting, you, you're well paid. You're playing a game in front of a large TV audience in a large crowd. Most stadiums are packed every week. That should be your self-motivation in itself. But as we've seen historically – you know, players will can't wait to get some kind of bulletin board material. Now, if this is what is motivating Jalen Hurts for this particular game, so be it, because I expect to see Jalen Hurts play the way he played in 2022, which has not been the case in the first two games this season. If he feels that he's been disrespected and then that's still ingrained in the back of his mind that Todd Bowles doesn't think I can read his defense, um, then I'm going to show him Monday night in front of a national audience. So be it. I want to see it. But, Mark, if he comes out on the other side of the game and the numbers and, and, and his overall play and going through progressions and holding, holding the ball too long are very similar to what we just saw the first, the first two games, the questions will intensify and the frustrations will intensify. What's wrong with Jalen Hurts? Mm -hmm. You know how it is. You're in Philadelphia. You're from here. You know how you people think? <laughs> Hey, I'm already on record. Mike Missinelli put that question around to us in the post-game show yeah. to you and Seth Joyner, and he put it to me when it came to the worry level of this team. And I, you were a little bit more worried than me. Seth was a lot more worried than us. I am not as worried. However, I see the panic button. I mean, as you pointed out, being from here, yes, the panic button is, already, uh, is always in my line of sight. But the, the plastic protective cover is still over the panic button. And I'll say this. If they continue to struggle offensively, Jalen Hurts continues to struggle, that protective cover will at least be flipped off the panic button and I'll have my hand hovering over the big red panic button if they struggle in this game. I am going to hold out hope and I'm going to give confidence to this team. I'm going to have confidence in this team over the first two weeks. All right. And it wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but you know what? They still won and good teams. What do they do, Gunner? They find ways to win. But after this long layoff, if they haven't corrected some of those mistakes, particularly in the passing game, and Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts don't seem to be on the same page, and Jalen Hurts and his receiving core don't seem to be on the same page, and they can't activate the passing game the way they could a year ago, well, then, yes, I will have that cover off my hand over the panic button. That's only time I will have it. And then hopefully they'll – hopefully we don't even need to talk about that. Hopefully that won't even be the case, and I don't think it will be against this Tampa Bay uh, team. Good team. Well, uh, quarterback uh, game manager in Baker Mayfield with a, a very uh, gr great receiving core. Uh, so it's not going to be wildly easy, but I think the Eagles will. Uh, I'll just say this right now. I think they at least cover against the Buccaneers, so I'll say that. Uh, but when it comes to Jalen Hurts, I think he needs to show this team and show this town that it's all good. They can get on the same page. They needed this break to kind of 
get uh, to, to regroup a little bit after the first two games of the season. Uh, coming hey, up. Wait, no, wait, go wait, ahead. Wait, yes, wait, yes. Wait, wait, wait. If, if, if this team plays a discombobulated game, okay, and they're 3-0, and oh, there are certain questions that should be asked, but the bottom line is they're 3-0. and oh. If they play a flawed season and they go 12-5, and 11-6, and six, it's still a winning season. Yeah. Um, every team doesn't play the perfect game, even Kansas City. They don't, you know, nobody plays a perfect game every week. Sure. You're going to win with flaws, okay? You uh -huh. know, bottom line is show your superiority, your ability to overcome all adversity. It doesn't have to be the prettiest thing, but those W's sure look pretty more than the L's when you're stacking them up. Okay? Huh. Huh. That's interesting, Gunner, because uh... – I, I I disagree, and uh, your oh, quarter, you would. your cor your quarterback disagrees as well, and that's one of the things I want to get into next with you, Gunner, because this was beautiful. I'm going to say this, okay? I'm going to talk about my favorite philosophers all time, okay? I'm going to go Marcus Aurelius, okay? I'm going to go Socrates, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. Those are my three favorite philosophers of all time. My top three. You're putting Jalen Hurts in the same category as Socrates. Are they not phenomenal, wonderful, worldly philosophers, Derek Gunn? Well, uh, in two different realms of society. In the same reference, that's a little different. Uh, I don't know if I would put football cliches in the same category as profound historical value statements. How My dare friend. you, sir? I'm How dare you? I'm just throwing it out there. That's <laughs> all the cliches. Okay, keep the main thing the main thing. You might say that's a cliche, but uh, uh, what's the other one there? Uh, I had a purpose before anybody had an opinion. That's not a cliche. That's profound. That's beautiful is what that is. is and that then how you live your life? That's how, of course, that's how I live my life. It's a beautiful really? thing. Absolutely. Hey, doesn't matter. Hey, when you deal with me, here's how I live my life. Take it or leave it. <laughs> No, this is how you live your life. Hey, what are they biting on? There you go. What are they biting on? There you go. Oh, really? Rattlers? Okay. Yeah, and, I see, you, I, and I see you people in the chat talking about D-Gun got a talking bass behind him. Oh, those are the real deal behind me. I see you people. Don't think I don't see you. I just didn't acknowledge you. You see? <laughs> hey, look. You know what I'm saying? See? Uh, yeah, I see you people. Don't think I don't see it <laughs> just because I don't acknowledge it. Hmm. D well, I can tell you, dig on the real deal. I got 18 fishing rods. I have two huge tackle boxes. One of them is a, a backpack. <laughs> I've been fishing. You know what, Mark? I never tell you this story. Oh, what? What do you got? My mom and dad used to go fishing a lot. And when I was a baby, they would always tell the story. Before I could walk, they would put a blanket over me in a, in a boat so that the mosquitoes wouldn't get me and would fish. And I'm like, what if the boat tipped? I wouldn't be here today. I, I, you know. You know what I'm saying? Tell me you grew up in the Midwest without telling me you grew up in the Midwest. I'm, hey, that's what they did. And I'm, I'm thinking, Mom, Dad, wait a minute. Y'all put me in a boat, mm. and I didn't even know how to hold my breath underwater at that point. Oh. Although, you see all these videos now where people take their babies and oh, flip yeah. Water and the baby, and you're like, hey, hey, get that baby out. Yeah, babies are not, yeah, yeah, babies are naturally buoyant. Did you know that? I did not know. Well, I know now, but through the years, thanks to social media, but I'm like, hey, man, that baby treaded water like Johnny Weissmiller when he was tar Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I used to teach those classes, those those swim classes for babies. My first, my first, swear, swear to goodness sakes, 
my first job, like my first paycheck job was a swim teacher. And twice a week, we would have the babies class with the parents and the babies would come in, their parents would bring their babies and to help them. And just in case they ever fell into a pool, what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to you know, walk the baby around the water, holding the baby. And then they quickly dunk the baby and then, and then blow, and then pick the baby up and float the baby on their back so that they would, if they ever fell into a pool, they would naturally be buoyant, come up, feel the water, feel the air on their face and then float on their back. It was a training mechanism for to, pr to help protect babies. It's a so, true thing. It's a real thing. So let me get this right. I walk into your place of employment. You are my swimming instructor for my newborn infant or eight-month-old infant. Yep. And I have no idea, no knowledge whatsoever of what is about to transpire. You say, hey, nice to meet you. Here's what we do. You take my newborn child, my pride, my joy, uh -huh. the loins of my loins. You know, <laughs> you take my child. And the first thing I see you do in the water is dunk them like a oh, donut, no. like a donut being dunked in coffee. <laughs> and then you say, okay, okay, and you take them and flip them over your head in the water and let them go. Let me tell right. you what I'm doing. I'm jumping in the water and I'm giving you a five finger discount in the back of your clean shaven head. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. Mm. Uh, one correction: you're doing the dunking. You're doing the dunking, and I'm just there supervising it. If that's the case, then my kids, my class is over. Class is out. <laughs> At least you're not putting a blanket over your kid's head and put them over, over the river for a bit of hey, but let me protect you from the mosquitoes, but make it more dangerous for everything else. You know what I'm saying? Man, my, my parents, I said, my parents must have hated me. They were hoping I'd fall out the boat or something, man. I'm like, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they took pride in telling that story. Your, you know? your siblings are on, the, are on the dock and under a canopy, like, you know, being fanned by I was, somebody. I was, I was, I'm, the, I'm the oldest. So, you know, oh. I, was, I was a test. Too, I was a oh, test. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was a test dummy for, for, what, for what was to come. I'm like, seriously, man, you talking about putting my dunk uh, in the water, man? Oh, my God, Gunner. I'm, I'm crying already, laughing my – oh, my God. All right. Um, all right, so <laughs> I, I told you all that about Jalen Hurts to tell you this. Yes. When we come back, I want to I go through a conversation that I know plenty of groups of friends – Eagle fan friends that you guys had with your, you know, your circle of friends, whatever. Uh, it's a conversation that I guarantee all you had about being two and zero, but still having a lot to complain about. Because if you're the person that goes, you're two and zero, but oh, what about all this bad stuff? Then you're just like your quarterback, my third favorite historical philosopher. We'll be back in a minute. This is Sports Take. I promise, we will be back. Oh, Shortly. Oh, oh, sleeping in. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Good play calling along the way. First and goal at the sixth. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles I'm seeing Space Cadet Entertainment is saying uh, Gun is choosing violence this morning. Yeah, you know, hey, 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 look, D-Gun is multidimensional. You know, Gun is choosing violence this morning. Uh, Adam's exploits in the last segment, where is he? He was all him. He's always trying to take his out. Gunner, can you play Billy Bass for us, please? I got your Billy Bass. Okay. Yeah, let's keep it keep it rolling. You know, and Chris D Chris D said when you were talking about, you know, you know, dunking babies underwater like donuts, uh, she yep. said, you know, she said she had a water baby who was on the state diving team. And I'm thinking, was the baby born underwater? Because you know, a lot of women gone to this birth yeah. underwater stuff. Yeah. I ain't doing that, man. It's like, no, nah, that's hey, hey. Oh man. Nah, nah. Uh, oh. Hey, I can't I can't go there. I had to watch three C sections. That was bad enough. Yeah. Oh yes, I had to be in there for three C sections. Oh yes. Yeah. Holy! I've earned my red badge. I earned my red badge of courage. I'm. Hey. 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 Yeah. Underwater. After watching, <laughs> after watching three C sections, I almost see stuff coming out underwater. Oh I man! Know, I know a lot of people do it. Oh. I can't do it, man. I, I, hey. 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 I draw a line somewhere. You know. Wow. Yeah, you uh yeah, that put that takes me back, man. Especially having to go to like one of them birthing classes, like where they show you a video of uh like different types of births, including the water birth that you were just talking about. Um the the C section, of course, and all that other stuff, man. It is yeah, I'm glad I don't have to watch that again. Glad I don't have to watch that one again. Hey, they anyway. Almost, they, they almost forgot about me. Um uh, when my oldest Annalisa was born, they almost forgot about me in the waiting room. Um I forgot almost forgot I was there. I'm like I was nervous, man, because you know they don't let you in when they're doing the incision and all that stuff, right? Okay. Okay. So, so they, so the doctors and the nurses say, you know, you know, Mr. Gunn will come get you at the appropriate time, and so I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. My hands sweating like I'm going to the electric chair, and I'm waiting, and then it's like an hour, hour and a half has gone by, <laughs> and then the nurse comes out. Oh, we almost forgot you were out here. Come on in. Oh my. God. And I'm like, now my heart's in my throat. Whoop whoop. Whoop, 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 whoop. I walk in there. I see my, I see my wife stressed out like they about to do an autopsy, right? 
and I see this partition up over half her body. And as I get closer and closer, I see the upper half moving. And I see the lower half, they got these forceps holding the, holding the stomach open where they, the incision they've made. <laughs> and I walk up to my wife and she looks at me very calmly. I, you know, she's under sedation and stuff. Right. And she goes, hi. And I'm like, hi. And, 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 and then she's asking me questions. And meanwhile, I'm looking back and forth. I don't know what she's saying. I'm looking and I see movement in the in the incision. I see and there's a doctor with a leg up on a table and another doctor telling him, what are you doing? Get the baby out. And, and my wife's talking to me. And she goes, can you tell me, can you see my bladder? And then she says, can you tell me what color the bladder is? And I'm like, huh? So I'm like, I got alienation over here. I got a heavily sedated upper half over here talking to me. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world is going on here? The doctor, the doctor couldn't get a grip on the baby because my oldest was so big. She was nine, six when she was born. He couldn't get a grip to get her out. And then all of a sudden, half the body sits up in the stomach like this and screams, let out a blood curling scream. I'm thinking, I'm right in the middle of the movie Alien. I'm see, remember that scene in Alien when the alien pops out of the woman's stomach and, and screams? <laughs> Sitting, the baby's half sitting up. The doctor's trying to grab the baby. The other doctor's telling the other doctor, get the baby out. My wife's asking me to call him in the size of her bladder. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? It's like a bad movie. <laughs> but thank God everything turned out fine. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man, this is my life. This is what I go through, bro. Right. And I and um I, I'm pretty sure um Brandon Graham was there and he said, wrong again, D gun. Anyway. <laughs> Brandon Graham wasn't even born. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, so let's cross off. If you're playing Sports Take Bingo, you can cross Ebonics off your list, and you could also uh, cross off play-by-play -play of the birth via C-section of Derek Gunn's firstborn uh, child. So there you go. Look at that. Look at that. Look here. Look here. Anybody who's, you know, and, and here's the thing. You know, in my dad's era, you know, oh boy. The, dads, the dads didn't want to be in the, in the, in the delivery room. All of a sudden, in my era, it became yeah they out the, they out there you know puffing on cigars, passing out cigars, having a, you know a few puffs on a cigarette. You know, in my era, all of a sudden, my era, it was fashionable to be in there with your wife for support. You know, you know how that, you know how it goes. And then you see those birthing films. You got a guy sitting down there with a catcher's mitt like Johnny Bench, waiting for the baby <laughs> to pop out naturally. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is what this entails. Oh no, we go that route. They tell me section. So I got to read up on C. What the heck is a C-section now, right? Right, 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 right. And then, then you have to live it. You have to live it. I had to live it not once, not twice, but three times. Mm. You're a better man than I, friend. I'll, I'll tell you, in, in, in my generation, the popular thing now is you hold the leg. You have to hold your wife's leg. For um, what? To... Like I, they, so I was sleeping on the sofa. This is when my adult daughter was born. Who's now four. And, uh, they, like I was sleeping on the sofa and all of a sudden, like things started going off in the room and the doctors came in and are like, Hey, sir, could you, uh, all right, dad, it's time to go. So can you hold this leg for a second? You know, can you hold this leg? And I was like, uh, sure. Okay. So I held, I'm holding my wife's leg as you know, the pushing starts and all that. And, um, I thought I was holding the leg until someone, you know, with medical experience came into the room, not some idiot with a communications degree from Temple was holding the leg during the process. So I was literally like two and a half, three hours. I'm holding the leg, just waiting for a doctor to take over. 
Um, but uh, they did not, and there I was, and then my daughter was born, and my life's been incre- incredible ever since. Uh, but anyway, uh, oh, so here's what I like about Jalen Hurts. Yes, <laughs> Socrates Hurts. This is right. By the way, somebody referenced there in the um, uh, what do you call? It? Somebody referenced. I'm surprised I didn't go with Machiavelli as a philosopher. A little too dark. People have a, a negative connotation of uh, Machiavelli yeah. and the Prince yeah. and all that type jazz. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, so yes, I am sticking with it. Marcus Aurelius. Then I'm going with uh, Socrates, and then I'm going with Jalen Hurts. And then somebody also pointed out, I didn't go through the fire just to smell the smoke. Beautiful. Beautiful. But listen to this yesterday, Gunnar. While he was addressing the media, if you've been having these conversations in your own fan groupings about the Eagles, and people are like, so what? They're 2-0. Or they're 2-0, but it's, it's, an, it's a perfect record with a lot of imperfect play. If you are the uh, If you are on the side of it's a perfect record, Without perfect play, you're on the side of your quarterback. Now, help me make sense of this, Derek Gunn, because I'm still trying to figure it out. Okay. He says, if you win, but you don't play to the standard, okay? If you win, but you don't play to the standard, you feel unfulfilled. If you lose, but you played to the standard, you still feel unfulfilled. That's deep. I hear the sarcastic tone. I hear the sarcastic tone. Don't you start with the sarcastic tone. And my favorite, third favorite all-time philosopher, Jalen Hurts. He's saying he's never satisfied. The only way he's going to be satisfied is is when he wins a Super Bowl. And even then, if he wins the Super Bowl, he's going to want another Super Bowl. So for him, it's always the pursuit of perfection with with still realizing you're never going to obtain perfection. But the pursuit of it is what makes the difference. That's beautiful to me. And here's the thing. It's not just talk. It's not just something that he wants on a T-shirt. It's not just marketing. It's not a brand. This is the way I believe this man truly thinks. That's the constant pursuit of perfection when it comes to Jalen Hurts. And Jeffrey Lurie, before they even signed the big-time deal with the franchise quarterback, Jalen Hurts, he said the same thing. He's got an amazing drive for the pursuit of perfection. And that is, I think, the greatest thing any owner of a team can say about one of his athletes is what uh, Jeffrey Lurie had to say about Jalen Hurts this past offseason. And I believe it to be 1,000% true. I will answer you in this regard, my, my, my distant stepbrother. Um, that is deep for a young man who is 24, 25 years old. He is well beyond his years in thought. And I think to simplify, that's what he's saying is, I'm never satisfied, which is a good place to be. No matter how good you get, you are not satisfied. The truly great ones are never satisfied with accomplishments they currently make. They are always thinking ahead of the curve. And I get what he's saying. Okay, we're 2-0, and but we're not living up to our standard of what we were a season ago. And that's understandable, which means once they get this thing right, that's when we're going to see this machine really take off. I get that. I understand it. But I will also counter with this. It's okay to be flawed and yet still be perfect in the standings. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You can very easily, I mean, there's nine teams that are 0 2. You know, you don't want to be in that category. You are still unblemished in the one loss column while you're still trying to achieve that standard that you that you put yourself in. I, I, I have no problem with that. That's what you want from this team. Mm-hmm. That's what you want from a team that shocked the world and went to the Super Bowl and came within three points of winning it. Um, and and didn't complete the entire mission. When you look at all the gaudy numbers they put up last year, sacks, two receivers over a 1,000 yards, 
1,200-yard rusher, you know, uh, dominant running game, you know, one of the top three uh, takeaway teams in the National Football League across the board. And they did not complete the mission of hoisting that Lombardi trophy. And they had to stand on that field in February and watch that team they battled for 60 minutes hoist that trophy and kind of indirectly rub it in their face. We are the better team, not you on this particular day. That stays ingrained in your mind. And you elevate that that so-called expectation of where you want to get to and who you want to be when it's all said and done. And then you you revel in it that moment, but you want more. Once you've had a sip of champagne, you want a full glass, right? You don't <laughs> just want another sip. You know, or in your case, once you've had that first espresso, not espresso, <laughs> you want a whole cup. You don't just want to sip. You can't stop. It's an addiction. Mm. That's what it should be with athletes always striving to be perfect. Nothing wrong with that. You're damn right. I agree with you. And I bring it up because when I think the groups of fans have had the conversation about, you know, being 2-0 and but it not looking perfect, a lot of fans will dismiss me. Ah, they're 2-0. What are you complaining about? You know, After week one against the Patriots, A.J. Brown's in the locker room after the game saying that was a warm-up lap, essentially. He is saying that that game against the Patriots was a, quote, learning moment. Alerting week one is that's what that's what the preseason used to be for. Now apparently week one is the learning moment. He said if they're going to go play against another team that is better than that, they're going to lose that game. Uh, Jason Kelsey said the same thing after week one against the Patriots, and then uh, just on that Thursday when they go play against the Vikings, they don't play their best game, but somehow they score still score what thirty four points in that game and get the win. That's pretty damn good too. Yeah. So here's how I look at it. Um, there's. As we pointed out in the opening segment, there's plenty of things for this offense to work on, and I need to see Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts really get this offense cooking, especially in the passing game, and I need to see Jalen Hurts look like the thrower that he was a year ago. However, one of the things that is so amazing to me about the Eagles' second win of the season here is that I don't know many teams in the NFL that can literally push a button and all of a sudden dominate. There you go. One part of the game wasn't working. The passing game was not working. And then out of nowhere, with the exception of one pass in the first half to Devontae Smith. But then in the second quarter, they just say, all right, activate run mode. And it was, Gunner, it was unstoppable. It was, I mean, talk about dominant. 13 to 16 plays or run plays. They march right down the field. And then they go to a play that can't be stopped in the tush push. And they score their they score their uh, first touchdown. Like, it makes me think about why I'm even worried about the passing game. If the Eagles can dominate like that during the run. So why would fans, why would I, why would anyone, why would uh, the national pundits be concerned about what the Eagles are doing right now? Because it is a national headline about Jalen Hurts in the passing game, whether or not this offense can get back to what they were last year through two games. and hasn't looked the same. Is it the new play caller, Shane Sykin no longer being here, all that stuff. So when you think about it, why should we be concerned? Is it just because the the general statement of the NFL is a passing league and you got to throw to win? And we know that even going back to Doug Peterson, when the Eagles were dominating in the run game and they struggled in the passing game, Jeffrey Lurie's questions to Doug Peterson, well, how come we didn't pass more? Because, you know, it's a passing league. And that was after a game they had where they beat the Packers in Green Bay. Oh, but why didn't you pass more? So why are we so concerned? Is it because of in case of emergency, break glass in the fourth quarter, you're going to need to throw the football? Why are we so concerned? Why are people so concerned about the passing game when the run game can still be so dominant? Because that passing game was so lethal last year. 
and you have exactly the same personnel back this year except the new right guard, you know. And obviously that new right guard is an asset because that running game mowed Minnesota down like like roadkill last week. You know, when you've achieved certain things, if you look at some of the better teams historically and how consistent they have been, go back to the 70s. You look at how dominant that Steelers team was in the 70s and how they consistently ran the ball in a mall teams. Then you get to that, that 85s Bears team. You know, they were supposed to win it again and get there again in 86, and it didn't happen. They fell short of their destination, but they played the same style of physical ball. Then you look at how the 49ers and the Cowboys did their thing in the 90s. They were consistent for not just one year. Then look at what New England did over a span of 15 years, how consistent they were. They get to 10 Super Bowls in a span of 15 years. They win seven of them or win six of them, I should say. All right. So you're looking for a measure of consistency. These are the type of teams that hit the ground right. Now, now, granted, the teams I'm talking about in the 70s and 80s, you expected them there because there was no such thing as free agency. Since the evolution of free agency, the revolving door tells us that the players change every year. So you have to – but if the concept is sound, it will take care of itself. Okay? So because this team – um, has not been as dominant as it's, as we thought it would be coming out offensively. People are now wondering. Look at the amount of new components they've had to inject into a defense. It takes time. You have five new defensive coaches. You have a lot of new defensive personnel over there. It's not just going to gel overnight. You know, you you've got to give it some time to gel. You know, and if you if you got if you need time to get it to where you want to go, and you're stacking up the wins, I'm okay with that. Now it's our job. It's our job to critique, to critique it, ask these questions, bring up conversation, generate conversation, get that. But if I'm looking at a team that's 5-0, and 4-1, 6-1, and we're leading the division, and we still have these flaws, knowing they're very well capable of busting out of this at any moment, I'm all right with that. I'm okay with that because I guarantee you, as dominant as they can be on the run game, there's a couple of opponents they're going to give some problems on a run game. Jets defense, Buffalo defense, San Francisco defense. People say, oh, we ran all over San Francisco's defense last year. Ah, because San Francisco had no offense once their quarterbacks were out of the game. They were, they were running the wing T formation. They were three and out. That, def- that defense was gassed. You know, that's why I say I can't wait. As much trash as San Francisco has talked all offseason, I hope they come in here 100% healthy when they play the Eagles this, this year later in the season. Because if the Eagles beat them, I don't want to hear any mess from the 49ers the rest of the season. Speaking of the 49ers, let me just get this in here real quick before I go back to Hurts. Um, I don't know if I should be grateful as a humanitarian or uh, a society of the uh, a member of society, or if I should just be more disappointed that I know it exists. But since social media has driven the world uh, the way it has, uh, you know, obviously in recent years, I don't know whether to be happy or sad that. We know it's not just Philadelphia where things happen that are bad in the stands, but the fact that it's highlighted so much more, like 49ers fans getting into fights amongst themselves in the stands like they did Thursday night. Um, it's all over social media, punches being thrown, people being thrown down the stairs, all that stuff. Things going on in, uh, where was it, uh, New England as well. Uh, it has been insane, absolutely insane. 
And I saw San Francisco radio was finally talking about it and addressing the fans out there getting in fights. And it's more than one occasion out there in San Francisco as well. I've heard plenty of stories of people going out to San Francisco at Levi Stadium recently. This isn't Candlestick yep. I'm talking about. Yep. And getting in fights out there as well. So I like it used to just be Philadelphia. We used to be the easiest target to write about as far as a fan base went. But now it's being exposed as it's just a problem everywhere where people don't know how to control themselves. People don't know how to act when they're in a uh, public forum for a football game, for a sporting event, whatever it might be. Fans could, are just pretty unruly everywhere, Derek Gunn. Um, yes. And did you see the video of what happened Thursday night where it was two women fighting and some guy reaches in and pulls a woman off by, by her hair? Uh, and then more people start jumping in. Guys Oof. start jumping in. Um, I agree with 100% of what you're saying. It be, it's become all too commonplace across sports, especially football games. Um, but, Mark, it's not national news any longer than it is in Philadelphia. For whatever reason may be in this city, it's always Philadelphia that's singled out. Um, yeah. and, and it's carried on for, for, for days, weeks, months. What happens in San Francisco has become common – or Santa Clara, where they yeah. – has become commonplace even when it was a candlestick. I've seen it firsthand at a number of stadiums. And yet it's always amazed me how it's talked about for that day and then all of a sudden it's forgotten. But when it comes to Philadelphia, see, there it goes, Negadelphia again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's blown me away in all the years I've been here, and I've been here since 97. I've never understood why Philadelphia gets this consistent black eye when it comes to little things that go wrong that are magnified here. When it comes to people actually fighting in the stands, you know what I would do? I wouldn't ban them for just a game or a season. You're banned for life. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you with somebody you could have put innocent you can very easily with swinging a roundhouse right or left accidentally cold cocked the wrong person accidentally hit a kid um you know what a lot of people pay good money to go to yell for their team to just maybe in in, in jaw jack with the opposition in a harmless way but you guys get out there thinking that joe frazier and muhammad ali swinging <laughs> people. and i've seen some fights where people have gotten seriously hurt knocked out in their mm -hmm. seat those are the kind of people that should not be allowed. First of all, I've always said you should be. We've seen enough of this. You should ban. You should ban alcohol from a game, from a stadium, from a mm. football stadium. People drink enough in the parking lot to get sauced up and jacked up to go in a stadium. They don't need any more kerosene to put on the fuel once they get inside the stadium. They really don't. And I understand beer is a big money maker for football stadiums. Alcohol in general, big money maker, probably the biggest money maker out of everything you sell. In a football arena. Oh, absolutely. They're not making that on nachos. But see, I, I believe with what the real the real zeal is saying. Uh, won't change until the NFL gets sued for big money. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's what has to happen. Or until somebody gets killed on camera in a stadium. Yeah. That's not, that's not, you know I hate to say that, but right. I don't you, I don't think you should sell alcohol to, in a in a football game because you have too many immature grown ups who bring their families in, who bring their kids in, who initiate this stuff. Some people go to games, Mark, just to be disruptive. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, and the counter argument to it would be that people are still going to drink more in the parking lot. That'll be the thing. And, yeah, if you get caught, maybe if you get caught with a case of beer, you get caught with alcohol, you'll be thrown out. But I don't think with the sponsorship tie-ins, the NFL is ever going to get out um, of the alcohol. I don't think they're ever going to get out of the alcohol game. And then the other argument is, well, hold on. I go to a game. I have a couple of beers, and I – I'm fine. 
I don't do anything crazy. I scream and yell for my team, and that's it. And I, yeah, I might have a friendly back and forth with an opposing yeah. fan wearing the yeah. opposing colors. So why are those people going to ruin the fun for everybody? Well, the argument then, in the other way, is this fan that died uh, at the Patriots game. They apparently had a medical in- uh, issue. No traumatic injuries uh, were shown in the autopsy. This was in the Dolphins uh, Patriots game in New England last week. It was a 53 year old man uh, who died on, on Sunday. Um, so that is obviously a horrific thing uh, to happen. And there's, there's just no place for any type of aggression like that, a physical altercation that needs to come out in the stands uh, of any football game. And I, okay. I certainly agree with you there. Why, why are we still hearing about that story from New England? A person died at a football game mm-hmm. in the middle of a fight. If that was Philadelphia, it would be national news all week long on every platform across America. I don't doubt it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and somebody just quoted only a small percentage are a-holes. That, that is correct. <laughs> that is very true. That small percentage should be eliminated. You should not be allowed of having the privilege of going to see a football game if you're going to spoil the moment for somebody else who paid good money to go and to enjoy a game, whether it's family entertainment, whether it's a corporate outing, whatever the case may be. They just want to go wear their team's jersey, wear their favorite player, past or present's name on the back of their jersey, and then go out you know, feeling good about a win or disappointed by a loss. I think the worst people are the ones who love to antagonize the opposition when their team is getting beat in their stadium, but yet can't take it when their team is losing and they want to start a fight. You can dish it out, but you can't take it. See, I have no respect for those people. I don't have respect for people who go to sporting events to fight to begin with. But when you go and you want to be the first one to dish it out, you're an instigator, but you can't take it when your your team is losing. Why are you there? Mm-hmm. Why are you there? Mm-hmm. And people spend good. You think about what it costs for an NFL ticket, Mark. And oh, I mean, man. Deep seat. And you right. got a family of four. And, you you know, little Johnny and Susie want to get a, a, a souvenir. They want to get food. They want to get some hot dog. For one person, you out of $70, $80. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you got a family of four, that's easily a $300 event. Parking, nowadays, the average cost of parking is 50 bucks. Right. To park in a stadium. Ugh. So you pay for a ticket for a family, you 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 buy you know, concessions, you know, and you pay for parking. That's well over a thousand dollars a day. <laughs> and you gotta sit there ducking and weaving people swinging at you because they're half drunk. I say it all the time, Mark. Alcohol makes you two things. Excessive drinking makes you two things, brave and stupid. <laughs> That's what it does. And well, we see a lot of it in sports venues. Hey, on a on a on a related note, but uh, lighter. So my wife asked me, you know, my daughter's four and, you know, she's like, when do you want to, she's like, when do you want to take Emmanuel to a, a baseball game? And I was like, when she wants to watch a little bit of it on TV, like when she, I feel like that's a good problem. You tell me if I'm wrong on that. You've been through it. Like, like I'll say things like she likes to go in the backyard and she likes to like hit off a tee. She likes to see his little tee ball set, you know, she likes to hit the ball. So she'll like that. So I try to relate it to something that she already knows. Like Nick Cassiano's hits a home run last night, 454 feet. I'll be like, hey, check this, look how far he hit the ball, you know? And she'll come in the room. She'll be like, oh, and then she leaves. Like that's yep. the extent. That's it. Yep. So I think a good, like, I don't want to take a, I don't want to take her or my son who's a year and a half. I don't want to take them to a game yet simply because they don't have the, I want them to have some interest. You know what I mean? I want, you know, for a lot of reasons, mainly because I want them to enjoy everything about it, not just 
walking around the stadium and all the things that have nothing to do with the game. But is that a good way to, to measure it from someone who's been there? Is that like when they actually show interest in the sport, interest in the game, it doesn't have to be baseball, could be hockey, basketball, football, whatever it might be. Now, football is going to be difficult because, you know, you and I work on Sundays. Right. Um, but uh, is that a good measure to de determine whether or not you should? it's time to take a kid to a game? Yeah, it is, and I did, and my kid, you know, my kids, you know, they they sometimes would watch, and they're, they're not an avid sports fans like I am. You know, they love sports, but they watch because you're watching it, or you know, uh, some it's on in the room. Um, but I I would take them to games just as a family outing, ah, uh, more so than anything else, just so they could feel the ambiance. But you know, Mark, I, I, I'm well documented. I don't go to games because I don't want to go two hours before kickoff and sitting in traffic bumper to bumper trying to get a park parking spot and then have to leave before the fourth quarter is over because I'm trying to beat the rush out of the stadium. You know, to me, I didn't get my money's worth, especially right. if, especially if it's your team or the opposition with the ball in their hands uh, on that final drive. Because think about it. By the time you walk out of the stadium, get to your car, get in your car, you've missed probably 10 good minutes of what actually has happened in a football game. Oh. Know? See, I, I love some of my favorite memories, though, as a kid are going to games and it would be the rare occasion where there was plenty of time where like we weren't like my dad wasn't getting home from work and then picking us up and then going to the game. You know, it wasn't like a rush situation. But, hey, when we knew on a Saturday afternoon we were going to the vet and we could go down there, we'd hit a breakfast spot. We'd right. mosey around 9th Street a little bit and then we'd head down, you know, further down South Philly to the sports complex and we'd sit there, and watch a little batting practice. Right. And then, you know, we'd take in the game. But the days where you had to rush, sit in traffic, miss the first two innings, oh, that sucked. That was that was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Dude, I can't even begin to tell you in all the years I've covered football, and I've been in every stadium in America multiple times, how many times you would see fights breaking out in the parking lot during tailgate parties. That, that starts at the tailgate, first of all. You know, people get brave. You know, it's like a wolf pack. You know, wolf pack gets braver in numbers. Yes, of course. Hyena pack, you know, on their own, they're kind of timid. But once they get some of their boys around, they get braver and get braver. And all of a sudden, it escalates into the Civil War. Okay. Um, then you get in the stadium and you're jacked up. And all of a sudden, you see somebody walk in with the opposing color and you just want to boo and you want to taunt them the entire game. All I want to do is sit and enjoy the game. What well, I got to deal with you just because you don't know how to control yourself, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, a, in a game. Yeah. I, one of the biggest travesties of, of for a sports fan who wants to enjoy sports is that you got to deal with these knuckleheads, you know. And I'd be lying if I said that didn't play a factor, you know, in, in just taking my kids to a game at this point because they're at you know Emmanuel's at the age she's four. Like I said, she's four. She's she's at the age where there might be a little curiosity. It'd be a fun family outing, as you said. But man, it's like it's got to be a day game. Like <laughs> it can't be anything like a night game or anything like that on a weekend or something. I don't know. It definitely factors into the decision to, to take them down or not. But uh, I, I got go, some, I don't go to games. I got, <laughs> see, I want to go. That's the thing. I want to go. I would go. I love going to games. Here, here's a kicker on road games. I would, you know, obviously, you know, me and my crew, we'd have to set up in a tunnel outside the locker room, you know, a good, five you know when there's like five minutes left in the game which is still a good 15 20 minutes to get ready for post-game interviews like clockwork like clockwork a uh, eagles fan who was on the road on the road visiting comes down and i and I, I can honestly say this at least 98 percent of the games when i've covered road games in the time i've been in philadelphia an eagles fan will come down in handcuffs and will walk past me and say d gun tell them about how bad they treat uh, Eagles fans in 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 Tampa or, or in Green Bay or Minnesota, and I'm thinking, 
Why'd you put yourself in that position to begin with? <laughs> what, 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 what do you want me to do to say fans are unfair because they broke up a fight that you were involved in? <laughs> you and the other dude in handcuffs. Right. Yeah. No, I'm saying, you know what? You're, you're the knucklehead. Cause you put just, you spent your money for a plane fare, hotels, food, ticket, parking, rental car to come down here, wherever you are, Dallas, Arizona, Los Angeles, to get thrown in jail before the game was over. Who's the fool? Mm. Who's the fool? I would say that that, that, that person's the fool. That, 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 that person is the fool. There it comes. That, that, that person is the fool. Uh, hey, coming up, uh, there is a, uh, a situation going on in South Philly tonight that does involve fans and what they are going to do with Scott Rowland night. In South Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park, not only do we hope the Mets uh, drop this second game and the Phillies take this second game of the four-game series, we're also waiting with great anticipation to see what happens between the fan reaction and Scott Rowland tonight. Um, We'll get into that conversation. We'll also get into the conversation regarding Jalen Hurts and why uh, I am not all that concerned about the Eagles and the run game. Uh, because I know a lot of people will say, well, what's it mean when it comes to crunch time with Jalen Hurts and you got to throw the ball in the fourth quarter? We'll go back to that conversation. I'll tell you why I feel fantastic about Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter of these games. We'll get into this um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game coming up. And Gunner, I got to share something. I don't even know if I've told you this story, but what? it is a very fond memory I have on the field at, uh, what is it, uh, Raymond James Stadium there in uh, yep. in Tampa? Yep. I have to tell you a memory I have when I was on that field in 2008. I'll tell you that story a little bit later in the show. Also, Gunner, you want to get into this. Teams that are 2-0 and 0-2, who's going to lose of that bunch this week and who's going to win of that bunch this week? We'll get into that as the show goes on. This is Sports Take. My name is Mark Farzetta. I'm in for Rob Ellis. That's Derek Gunn, of course. We'll be right back here on the Jacob Media Sports Channel. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Welcome back to Sports Bank here on Jacob Sports. I'm Mark Farzetta. That's Derek Gunn. Eagles ahead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up in Monday Night Football. Another double header in Monday Night Football. They just they just love that. They just love it. I know. Hold on for a moment. While we were talking about the fans, I saw people putting, you're not an Eagles fan if you don't carry batteries in the sock. <laughs> Somebody said, Mark Farzetta looks like he... Like he throws batteries. And I'm like, what do you look like? What does a battery thrower look like? This right here. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Bald and bearded. That, that's that's not what I'm thinking when I look at this. I'm just telling you right now. Hey, hey, you I'm think, yeah. You think great fisherman, world-class, world-class singer. Uh, and uh, and a phenomenal host. I think that's what you think. I think that's I think that's what you think, Gutter. I think that's just what you think. Now, um, right, you were I, reading my mind. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, I, I it was JD Drew with the batteries. I, you know what really pisses me off when people confuse the snowballs and the batteries. When when people are like, you threw batteries at Santa Claus. I'm like, now you hold on a minute. It was snowballs at Santa Claus, and it was batteries at J.D. Drew. And it's not our fault. It was, like, battery night at, at the, the Veterans Stadium. Like, come on. What did you think? You gave us a bunch of projectiles. And, no, I'd never thrown a battery. My, I, I'll tell you, my worst fan, it wasn't even a bad fan moment, but it was the thing I took pleasure in. I remember I was at a Philadelphia Phantoms game many, many years ago. They were playing the Hershey Bears. There was like eight fights in the first period, and one of the Hershey Bears got tossed. And me and my buddy Joe, I think we were like in eighth grade, uh, they, the, one of the Hershey Bears were right by the tunnel, and he gets thrown out at the spectrum. And we were yelling at him like what a bum he was. And, you know, we were saying some, you know, not so nice stuff like eighth graders, you know. And he turned around and called us a bunch of bleep holes. And we were like, that was awesome. And we high-fived each other, not him. But, like, that was my worst thing. I've never thrown a battery. I've never thrown a snowball. I've never dumped popcorn on anybody. I have I have been a very nice fan in my time of being a fan. Thank you very much. Sure you have. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sure, sure, sure you have. All right. Uh, Got it. I'll believe you. Hey, you want me to believe you? I'll believe you. I'm a gentleman. You know. Hey, you know I am a gentleman. You Thank are, you very you much. You are a gentle soul. I'll give you that. All right, can I tell you why I'm not um, worried about Jalen Hurts? Why, why pray tell? Here's the thing. When I really dig through the fact that the passing numbers are down in the first two games, when I dig through the idea of A.J. Brown versus Jalen Hurts, and uh, I dig through Brian Johnson as the new play caller and offensive coordinator, and I get through all that. I think about games like last year 
against the Cardinals. I think about games like last year against the Colts. And in those games, if you remember, the Eagles struggled offensively. You had to have uh, Cameron Dicker, the kicker, come in and save you. Remember that against the Arizona Cardinals last year in Arizona? And then in Indianapolis on the road for, for Frank Reich, for Nick Sirianni's hero, Jalen Hurts helped engineer a game-winning drive. He helped really, when push came to shove in that fourth quarter, he locked in. I feel like Jalen Hurts, one of the things that makes him so special is the real special quarterbacks, the great ones, they have that gear to go to. Now, we talked about it earlier with this offense, having that gear to go to in the run game. But when push comes to shove in that fourth quarter, you got to be able to air it out. You got to be able to have a quarterback that's going to make plays, either with his legs or with his arm. Yes. Jalen Hurts is that guy. Like, I don't think that just goes away for him in a year. We In the offseason, we had some conversation about Carson Wentz and that he looked like the next great one for a decade-plus in Philadelphia. And, yes, he did. But the biggest difference is what's between the ears of these two quarterbacks. And I think Jalen Hurts has that tremendous work ethic. Uh, I think he's got a tremendous amount of confidence in his game. And I just think, overall, he's talented. The thing that matters most if you're talented and you have a great work ethic, you're going to have a lot of success. And if you're smart to boot, you're going to have even more. And I think Jalen Hurts checks all those boxes. So when I see the Eagles in the first two games of the season rely heavily on the run game, and I see the Eagles get away from the pass game, I don't have that much concern. If it's the middle of the season, then I'll be concerned. But I have a lot of confidence that this Eagles team, with Nick Sirianni as the head coach and Jalen Hurts as your quarterback, I just feel like they are going to figure it out. They have the offensive line to hold and have time for Jalen Hurts, and they got a great receiving core. So why, in two games this season, would I all of a sudden abandon ship and think that Jalen Hurts is just going to choke a season away or turn into Carson Wentz 2.0? I just don't see it happening with Jalen Hurts this season, even if with the new offensive coordinator, new play caller, whatever, I just feel like regardless, he is set up because of what he's got in himself and what he has around him. I feel like he's going to be set up for success for years to come here in Philadelphia. That is why ultimately after two games, I'm not concerned about Jalen Hurts. But many people are, and it's understandable. It's Philadelphia. We know what the mindset is. We get it. We, 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 we have better expectations. I get it. But like I said, you know what? If they were even if they were one and one, I would be concerned. Now, granted, six turnovers in the first two games significantly contributed to their success. If you take away those turnovers, they might be 0 and 2 right now with the way those games unfolded. They just might be 0 and 2. You know, just Jefferson drops that ball at the goal line. That's a game changing moment. You know, uh, the Eagles get 13 points off of two quick turnovers by the Patriots early in the game. Those are game-changing moments. You take away, take away those scenarios, you know, punt return, Minnesota punt return, takes it down to the 35, you know, fumble. Uh, those are significant game-changing moments. If you don't have those moments, what are we sitting here talking about? What are we looking at record-wise with this team? But the bottom line is turnovers is a part of the game. They got those in their favor. Mm-hmm. You know, making enough plays when you have to to win a game. They got that. Stopping the opposition from making the play when they have it, they got that. It's all added up to 2-0, and oh, not 1-1, one and one, not 0-2. Oh so that's why I say, you know what, I'll take it. Because we all know, especially in the first two to three weeks of an NFL season, you see an awful lot of sloppy football. You do. 
Mm-hmm. Because no. most teams, other than Kansas City, most teams don't play their regulars in the preseason anymore. Kansas City played their regulars, and okay, they didn't have they didn't have Chris Jones, they didn't have Travis Kelsey, but they still still should have beat that Detroit team. You know, if Kadarius Tony doesn't let that ball ricochet off his body, and uh, Detroit takes it back to the house for a touchdown, Kansas City wins that game. But turnovers, big moments, trials and tribulations, highs and lows, big part of what we watch and what we love about football. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Yeah. Jordan Davis, week uh, week one against okay. the Patriots. Yeah. Set him up for a touchdown. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's um, a game. Mm-hmm. yeah, sure. And and I think you make a great point. You talk about the punt return. We're talking more about Aaron Sipos not being a good punter uh, and not being as, oh, well, they did let him go and they did bring in somebody new. You know, uh, if they don't force that fumble on the punt return, we're before he was let go, they're calling for heads even more of Aaron Sipos before anything else. Um, so, yeah, turnovers obviously play a huge uh, part in all of that. Uh, one thing I, I do want to go back to is the A.J. Brown versus Jalen Hurts thing. Okay, So you guys talked about that yesterday. We're not going to go too far into it. But one thing I want to explore with you, and I talked about this uh, in the open for the show. Let's live in the world for a second where A.J. Brown is telling the truth. Okay, so let's be on the let's just be on the same page. We both agree. Okay, you you and I agree that it was about targets, right? I think that's what it was about. Okay, we we agree. So let's live in the world where we disagree and we actually believe AJ Brown by saying it's not about targets. If it wasn't about targets, and he was telling the truth, what was the problem? What 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 what's what's the second reason? In, in other words that they were having a sideline spat at that point in the game. What the else only, could it be? The only thing I could possibly think of is the lack of consistent flow in the overall offense. And even with that said, that's not enough for a receiver individual to get upset about. You know, you're frustrated, but you don't visibly show those frustrations on the sideline. You sit, you huddle up, you talk about it away from the mics, and you move forward. The fact that he was animated tells me that it was more than that. But I am not going to sit here and sensationalize because it is now a week after the fact. Mm-hmm. They have moved on. They got another big task in front of them, playing this Todd Bowles defense. And you've had extended time to sit back and analyze and to talk to your, your teammates and to go over what we missed the first two games that we did so eloquently in 2022. So with that said um, – Hey, look, I don't care how they're masquerading it, you know. Sirianni finally just kind of, you know, I, I put it on a scale of two. Right. It didn't look like a scale of two when you jumped in there to try to break it up, you right. know, Thursday night. And and AJ says, I said, no, oh, it wasn't about targets. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, well, if it wasn't, you know, why didn't you say it right after the game? Right. Instead of so, waiting a week later. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. You know, because – AJ, he's very visible on social media. He could have squashed that the same night, next morning. No, mm-hmm. no. Waits until a week later, until they've had a chance to talk about it behind closed doors. So that's why I say, okay, you know, I got to take you for your word. It's a week after the fact. You're feeling good. You're 2-0. and You're getting some bodies back healthy to help you for, with the cause along the way. Hopefully you don't lose any more. Avante Maddox's, like other teams are losing prominent players, like, you know, dominoes falling left and right. Hopefully you get this thing, this train moving correctly. Um, we'll see. We'll see. So uh, in, living in the world where we take him at his word, and he said it wasn't about targets, you talked about the overall flow of the offense. I'm, I'm sort of with you there. 
What if it was about progressions? What if it was about Jalen Hurts not being able to go through his progression? What if he didn't, if he couldn't find his second read or he didn't know his second read or or something like that? What if it was a mental part of the game? Because the thing that gives that theory a little bit of fuel in that fire is that when Brian Johnson was asked about Jalen Hurts going through his progressions and what happens when the Patriots and the Vikings take away his first read, how do you think he's responded? And he went on to talk about how in week one against the Patriots, he found Kenny Gainwell and he checked down to Kenny Gainwell. And then he said nothing about game two against the Vikings, the game where this issue happened. Now, something happened between him and A.J. Brown. Obviously, that's undeniable. But what if it wasn't targets? What if it was progressions? What if A.J. Brown wasn't throwing that, I don't even want to call it a fit, what if he wasn't having that um, animated argument or animated conversation, I'll say, what if he wasn't having that with Jalen Hurts just about himself? What, do you, what if he was having that about the entire receiving core? Like, mm-hmm. hey, man, you need to get on the same page with everybody here because if you're not finding me as your number one, you're not finding Devontae Smith as your number one, and you're not finding Dallas Goddard as a number one on any given play, then we're going to have a problem as the season goes on. So we need to get on the same page. What if what if that was the comment? What if, what if it wasn't a me-first wide receiver reaction? What if it was an actual team reaction? Could be. I mean – but did you see Dallas Goddard flailing his arms in the first game when we no. visibly saw on the TV he missed him wide open on a number of occasions mm-hmm. on the underneath routes? Yeah, he, he honed in on his primary read, tried to force it in there, and 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 you know it didn't work consistently. You just see it's it's how the individual handles it, you know, the moment. Yeah, whether it was whether it was about him not going through his progressions properly or missing him on certain uh, particular looks. That remains to be seen. We'll never know for sure. But I'm saying, you know, each individual handles these things. It's one thing to sidle up to your quarterback with when you know all these cameras are looking at you and say under your breath, hey, man, uh, you know, I was open twice on that last drive. You missed me. Instead of saying, you know, being very animated with your arms and your emotions and giving the the, the casual viewer and the, the media observers the notion that, uh-oh, there's some tension going on. Based on what we have seen up to that point in the game, the game was not flawed, flawless. It wasn't fluid. Mm-hmm. You know, so so you put that out there. You gave us the reason to think that because we saw a game where the offense was not fluid, and then all of a sudden you reached a boiling point. Mm-hmm. Who's that yeah. on? Not on us. Yeah, yeah, we were not on us, as in not not on the receiving core, or not on us, as in Jalen Hurts. Not on us sitting back, seeing it from afar, and oh, okay. making evaluations of what we're seeing from on the sideline based on what we have seen from the game. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. That 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 absolutely makes sense. And I do think, regardless, because we don't have all the details, we you know it just leads to more speculation. Um, I do give credit, even though it was a week late, as you pointed out, he could have went out on social media, which he is active on and just kind of squashed. Hey, I, this is what it was about, or it wasn't about just me. It wasn't about just targets. It was about something else. Like basically say what he said. Yes. But in the, I guess in the fit of rage yes. or whatever he was experiencing after the game, he just felt uh, it was a better idea to not say anything regarding go. him and his quarterback and whatever the problem really was uh, between everybody. Um, we have talked a lot about Todd Bowles. Stir up stuff, Mark. Stop. Stop. Got, he just said it yesterday. Stop trying to instigate. Why do AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts now hate each other? What happened? Anyway, no, um, I think they're fine. I didn't. I'm not making. I, I didn't make a big deal of it then. I'm merely trying to understand the situation. I still think everything's fine and dandy. I think those still those guys are still uh, buddies. They're still bosom buddies, man. They're still cool. Um, 
We've talked a lot about Todd Bowles, and we've talked a lot about what happened in the first two games and taking reads away. I know you guys on Sports Safe talked a lot about uh, Bill Belichick and Brian Flores through the first two weeks of the season, and rightfully so. So now it's Todd Bowles against Jalen Hurts. We've already pointed out, we already talked about earlier in the show, Jalen Hurts taking on this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense and looking to exercise some demons from that playoff game two years ago. Jalen Hurts a much better quarterback since then. Now hopefully he'll continue to prove that against Todd Bowles. Gunner, if you're in that defensive meeting room and you're with Todd Bowles and you're looking at Jalen Hurts and you got some pretty good pass rushers, a guy actually just had a, a, a touchdown last week, and Shaq Barrett kind of knows what he's doing out there. Um, how are you defending against Jalen Hurts? What are you doing? What is Todd Bowles dialing up uh, against this Eagles offense to keep Jalen Hurts off his passing game? What do you think he's doing? Well, one thing I'm doing for sure is I'm em emulating what the first two opponents did with, with my edge rushers. I'm not just all out rushing Jalen Hurts and give him that open lane to step up and just take off. The, the defensive ends crashed to a certain point. They stopped and held their ground to make sure he didn't have those wide open lanes. That's the first thing I'm doing. Number two, I've got to try to disguise my coverages just like Minnesota and, and New England did also. When that ball is snapped, Jalen is honed in on whatever he's honed in on, and he thinks he has this advantage. And then all of a sudden, he gets back in a three, five, or seven-step drop and realizes the passing zones are flooded. Now I've got to make an, an improvision in terms of what I'm going to do, which means two things. Number one, he's patting the ball a second or two longer. And number two, he's allowing the opposition to get closer to him and get in his face to get a hand up to affect his throwing lanes. Those are the things that I'm trying to do. And then on top of that, I have to realize by doing that, I'm taking the risk of allowing that running game to chew us up on the ground and control the clock. So it's a, it's a game of Russian roulette. You know, any for any defensive coordinator to try to um, outmaneuver and outfox uh, a Jalen Hurts in that offense. But you got to, every defense does. You, it, it, there's where there's risk, there is reward, you know. And Todd Bowles' defenses like to take risk. And let's see what kind of rewards they get from it. Mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of people are going to be focused on that matchup, you know, the, the Hurts versus Bowles, and they're going to go back to the game from two years ago. And we've certainly talked about it. But I think, and maybe it'll come to the forefront more on Monday because it'll be, I don't know, a little bit more present in people's minds. Yeah, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Yep. Look, I'm not putting Baker Mayfield in the Hall of Fame, okay? But I think he's a good game manager, okay? Can I say that without that sounding like I'm the biggest Baker Mayfield fan in the world? Like, he's a good game manager. And when he could just put up a passer rating in the mid-90s, then he puts, his he puts his team in a good chance to win a football game. I know Darius Slay, James Bradbury, you're expecting to play in this game on, on Monday? As of, he was at practice yesterday, and, and unless something shocking happens, I expect him to be back in the outside on Monday night. So you got two really good corners right there, yep. and then Mario Goodrich gets thrown into the fold. Some up and down moments there and being thrown out. I think he had 39 snaps in this game well, against the Vikings. In this, in this particular game, whoever you put in that slot, you know, the, 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 the uh, Buccaneers don't have that definitive slot receiver that lethal slot receiver. So you might be able to get away with that. The two primary pass catchers are those two outside guys, Godwin and, of course, Mike Evans, who's a nightmare because he's 6'5", and trying to win 50-50 balls with him when you're a cornerback who's 5'11", 6'1", is not easy to do. You know, um, that that's where the, the problem could lie. I don't think 
I don't think Tampa Bay can run the football on this defense, which will make that offense one-dimensional, as it was the case with Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins. But the defensive front has to get Baker Mayfield on the ground. That is imperative they get him on the ground because he has shown the ability to scramble, to step up, step one way or the other, and to buy time until somebody frees up. Um, I think this, this coordinator that Tampa Bay has this year is this Dan Canales has done wonders, wonders with Baker in the first. He hasn't turned the ball over yet. Baker Mayfield has not turned the ball over. I brought up an interesting stat, too, you know, which would lead you to believe that Baker Mayfield in some ways is gun shy. If you look at, number one, how long he's been in the league, look at the times he's been sacked in the season. His rookie year, he was sacked 33 times. Every other year has been in the 40s, and one year was 51. So he's been hit a lot in his his, uh, his tenure as a mm-hmm. back in the NFL. He hasn't been sacked once in two games so far this year. And Minnesota has a decent pass rush. Heck, they got the, they got the Jalen Hurts four times and put him on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they couldn't get to Baker Mayfield. They hit uh, Kirk Cousins nine times. See? And only had two sacks. You know, the Eagles defense, as we've known it, doesn't hit a quarterback 12, 13, 15 times. We're like, what happened? Why not? Right. You know, because of the quarterback's ability to step up. I do believe until Hassan Reddick gets that thumb 100% healthy, that it's advantage offensive lineman against Hassan Reddick right now. Mm-hmm. Because he can't he can't control which way he wants to go by grabbing the shoulder pads of one of those tackles, you know, with, because of that thumb. Um, so right now it's advantage offensive line. I think once he gets that thumb right and gets back to being the Hassan Reddick we expect him to be, then the pressure is going to be a little bit different. Um, it's also surprising to me that through two games, Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick have both played over 71% of the snaps. When you have when you have Barnett and, and Brandon Graham there, you know. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I thought that, I thought it would be a little bit more balanced. I thought the main guys would maybe be like 60 and the understudies would be like 40%. Mm-hmm. No, it's been like 71, 21, something like that. It's it's really interesting the discrepancy in terms of the frontline guys compared to the backline guys, maybe, and maybe by the time they get to the fourth quarter, they'll win it a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. especially when these teams are passing and having success passing the ball. Maybe, maybe they're a little winded more. Maybe, maybe Sean Desai has to do a better job of balancing his rotation on the edge rushers to give those guys a little bit more breather to be fresher in the fourth quarter. There's a lot of variables that go into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's, here's where I'm at uh, when you go to not just the, the pass rush, but when you even think about the cornerback positions, whether that be a slot corner, nickel corner, whatever outside, or even the safeties, for instance, last week filling in for Reed Blankenship. When it comes to the secondary gunner, I just, I have been amazed. Like the start of the show for me so far has been Jalen Carter. Like if I could take away anything in the first two games, like Jordan Davis, I think is really showing you in his sophomore season that that guy is a man. He is no longer a rookie. He is a man and he is playing. But Jalen Carter being there in the interior defensive line, I think has been the star of the show defensively for this team. 
So when you have that in Fletcher Cox, and obviously you get what you're getting from uh, Jordan Davis, and you have what you get from a guy like Josh Sweat, whoever you have in that secondary has a little leeway. It's it's kind of like we were talking about in the offseason, if you were to draft a guy like B. John Robinson, whether or not you really needed him between the, you know behind this offensive line. Because you put anybody behind this offensive line, other than Rashad Penny, as it turns out, they're going to go out there and they're going to have success. As long as you can get to the hole quickly, you're going to get out there and you're going to have success. I think about the guys that go into the secondary, like Josh Job last week, and I think about Mario Goodrich this week kind of being thrown into the fire here. Or I think about filling in for Reed Blankenship. Those guys get a little bit of leeway because of the push you can get without having to take guys out of the you know, out of uh, pass protection. You could get a push with your front four. You can get a rush with your front four. You get a sack with your front four. And I know on the heels of the Jonathan Gannon era in Philadelphia, people don't necessarily want to hear that. But if you have backups out there at this point in the season, this early in the season – I don't mind it at all. If you're not going to be aggressive by sending a linebacker or sending a corner or sending a safety like you did with Reed Blankenship and the safety blitz against the Patriots in week one, I'm okay with it. If you're relying on your front four to get that push and get that pressure, you're going to get it without having to dial up blitzes. You're going to be able to get it. And I think that's one of the things I've been so impressed with. The number one thing I've been impressed with so far this season are watching a second-year player like Jordan Davis and a rookie like Jalen Carter represent the Georgia Bulldogs phenomenally well by being able to get that push in the middle. That creates so much more leeway for the guys that are dropping back in coverage, and it makes them cover for less time than they would if you just had an average defensive line out there. So if I'm looking at Sean Desai in this game, I don't think you need to be overly aggressive in trying to force a mistake out of Baker Mayfield. I think your defensive line is going to take care of that in their own right. Probably. It means you can drop more people back in coverage and make Baker hold that ball a little bit longer and probably get to him or force him to, to make an errant throw, which could result in a turnover. But I guarantee you, just like the Eagles are studying all the Tampa Bay's tendencies, Tampa Bay is also studying what they feel they can attack well in this defense. And the one area that continues to be a concern, we've talked about this endlessly on pregame shows and postgame shows, is the Eagles' inability to, to defend the middle of the field better in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And I expect, even though Tampa Bay doesn't have a so-called Pro Bowl tight end, I expect them to try to attack that, especially with N'Kobe Dean out of there. You know, so it's point-counterpoint. How can you disguise your deficiencies enough to have a greater measure of success compared to a greater measure of failure in trying to defend whatever Tampa Bay throws at you? That's going to be huge. How can you have a greater measure of success offensively to win more battles than you lose against Tampa Bay's defense? Those questions won't be answered until 7.15 when they kick off, you know, Eastern time, Monday night. Uh, real quick, Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter, who's jumped out to you more so far this season? Oh, has to be, oh geez. Oh, it's easy. They're both, they're both the two highest uh, – two of the oh. highest four-ranked defensive tackles in football by oh, Pro Football Focus. Oh, wow. So – Pick one. Oh, come on. I'd have to say, <laughs> I'd have to say if you're going to twist my arm, it has to be Jalen Carter. Right. His explosiveness off the ball, his ability to shoot gaps, his ability to put pressure on quarterbacks consistently in two games has been nothing short of phenomenal. And it's been everything we've heard about this young man in terms of how the scouts critiqued him coming out of college. I've said this with Rob Ellis. I've said this on other platforms. If he continues on this trend, he is definitely a serious candidate for defensive rookie of the year. There's no question. Uh, Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. I'll put it like this to be fair. And I agree with you. Well, I'm on the same page. Jalen Carter, number one, but, what I have been amazed by 
we talked a lot last year about this Hertzian leap, right? You know, from the first year as a starter to second year as a starter. It's not quite on that level, but it gives me the same type of vibes. Jordan Davis, the rookie, versus Jordan Davis, the second-year player, that seems like a mile apart, man. Absolutely. That seems just like – I don't know if it's the health. I don't know if it's the comfort. I don't know if it's the coaching. But Jordan Davis, he looks like a seasoned veteran right now. That's what he looks like, and he's only two years in the league. Jalen Carter doesn't look like a rookie either. So you have both these guys in the middle of your defensive line, and sometimes with the way Sean Desai plays, it's Jordan Davis on the outside, bonkers. Um, these guys have taken just great leaps. Great. Well, Jordan Davis from year one to year two and Jalen Carter, it does not at all look like a rookie him going from college to now he right now looks like a man playing with boys. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, coming up, this is what we got for you. Uh, Gunner, you had this idea. There's a couple of teams out there in the NFL. The Eagles are one of them that are two and oh, a couple other teams that are zero and two who will be the teams that are two and oh, that will fall this week. Who are the teams that are 0-1 that'll get their first win of the season? We'll talk about that when we come back here on Sports Sake. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, 
We prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles It's fun going back in the comments, Gunner. Um, it's fun going back in the comments and then reading what people are talking about and I'm, I don't know which part of the show they're referring to. So it's just a fun part in my mind to just go back and be like, what? Was that, was that me or him? Brilliant comment. I'm going to assume it was me. <laughs> Uh, are you talking about something in particular or no? Uh, I also don't know if they're talking to us or somebody else in the chat. Usually they're fighting amongst themselves. I just watch it for entertainment for the most part. <laughs> I love, you know, what I, you know what I always love? I love when you do it in passion. I'm not just saying you as in you. I'm saying everyone. You do like an impassioned rant or yes. whatever. And then you're like, you're talking about the Eagles. And then you look down and people are talking about the Giants. They're like, what the hell? Yeah. That's, you know, that always makes you feel good. Or they're, but, taking, or they're taking personal shots at each other. Or they're taking personal shots at each other. Yes. Um, it is pretty funny. Gunner, do you want to lead this up? So you had this idea to go through the teams that are 2-0 and and 0-2 and, and teams that you feel are going to come out with their first losses and first wins uh-huh. in, in week three. I, I like this a lot. So I looked over the schedule before the show. I got yeah. my squads. Do you have yours? Oh, I would have to say definitely I put Tampa Bay on the list of uh, teams that are 2-0 and that are going down this week. Oh, very good, of course, yes. You and I agree. Uh, uh, let's That's see. definitely one on my list. Okay. Uh, who else among the 2-0s? and We could – here, well, let's keep it in the NFC for this one. Okay. The Washington Commanders. There you go. At 2-0. and are uh, playing host to the Buffalo Bills. There you go. Wah, wah. They're no yeah. longer going to be 2-0 and after this one. They're yeah. going to take a loss. Uh, so that's going to be their first loss of the season. Uh, now, let me ask you this. If somehow, someway, Washington finds a way to beat Buffalo, what are we going to say then? What are we going to say about this Washington team that has this unknown quarterback <laughs> especially if this quarterback makes big plays against this Buffalo defense. What are we going to say about this Washington team? We're probably not going to talk about the quarterback as much as we're going to talk about their defensive line and edge rushers. Well, this quarterback, this this Sam Howell, is athletic. Mm -hmm. He can run, and he's got a pretty good arm. And from, from the highlights that I've seen of his first two games, he's got a pretty good arm on him. You know, he is the un- he was an unknown commodity for a lot of people on the outside looking in. And so far under Eric Bieniemy, Bieniemy uh, has put him in position to make plays, and he has made some some significant plays, which has contributed to uh-huh. um, this this Washington team being two and zero as we sit here today. Now, again, if I was betting Monopoly money, I would put all of my Monopoly money on Buffalo going into to Washington and winning that game, but. 
We always have to say the what ifs, especially early in the season, because, you know, Washington came back and won a game. I didn't think they had a prayer of winning, you know? Yeah. 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 And here they are two and I I will say this. So uh, week one, they came back on the Cardinals and won 17 to 16. They were trailing in that fourth quarter. They came back and won. The Cardinals then proved in the following week that they can have one of the biggest meltdowns in the franchise's history. You know, that was the Giants' biggest comeback since 1949. Yep. That was, and you know who they came back against in 1949? Gunner, you know, you were there. Oh, 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 no, right no. They, came, they came back I against the Cardinals. Under the heart, right in the rim, Jay. Uh, oh. They came back against the, the Cardinals. Um, and then they, they able, they're able to, uh, you know, do what they, they were able to do there against the Broncos, uh, or the last week. So yeah, I, I, I'll, to answer your question, point blank, they beat the bills. The Washington commanders will certainly have my attention. I'll put it that, put it to you like that. Uh, I think, I don't think their quarterback's a scrub by any means. Um, but I think the lead story for them comes down to how they get after the quarterback with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. And I think it also comes down to Eric Bieniemy as a play caller and what he has done with that offense. And bottom line, I think Ron Rivera knows what the hell he's doing as a head coach. And that's something I have always said about the commanders. And I have always said, by the way, for the people I see, uh, James Jones hit me up here in the chat. I have said since the beginning of last year that the commanders are going to be a thorn in the Eagles side because they're not the Giants where you – you want to beat New York, and they're certainly not the Cowboys where everybody wants to want to beat the Cowboys. So it's almost a team you overlook. This is a team that I think will absolutely get the attention of many teams around the NFL if they improve to 3-0, and especially if they improve to 3-0 and by beating the Bills on Sunday. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we'd have to take them serious because with, with without Chase Young, their Washington defensive front is nice. With Chase Young in there, if he's healthy, that front is real nice. Mm-hmm. And when you think about Deron Payne, you know, uh, and those guys and Montez Sweat up there, man, that's a nice defensive front to have. And let's face it, last year, that defensive front without Chase Young gave this Eagles offensive line problems and gave Jalen Hurts problems. Now, if Chase Young is healthy and he's he's on a mission now because Washington did not pick up his fifth-year option, he's a man with a chip on that proverbial chip on his shoulder because he wants to get paid. Now, he's – Right now, deemed as damaged goods. He's missed a lot of the last couple of seasons because of a leg injury. Then he misses the first two, the first game because of a shoulder injury. You know, was hampered by that shoulder injury. Now all of a sudden, he's raring to go. If I'm Chase Young, the mindset is I got and, and I and I'm a high draft pick, a high first round draft pick. I have a lot to prove to a lot of people, including myself. You know, and and I got to go out here and show it. And Washington's front seven is nice. Now, the back end, they do have a nice rookie I like uh, on corner, you know, as a starting corner, who's a really good cover corner. Um, But the front seven is the key for Washington's defense. And and you look at Washington offensively, they have three really good pass catchers. They have a really good running uh, back tandem. The offensive line, jury is still out on the offensive line. But all of it has come together to put them in a 2-0 spot right now. If they beat Buffalo at home Sunday, now we're going, uh-oh, we never figured in Washington as, as a team we had to worry about. Uh-huh. And this uh-huh. was the Washington team that came into Philadelphia and beat Philadelphia in their own backyard last year. Yeah. Hey, Gunner, you know what the, the spread is on that game? What's the spread? Take a guess. What's Buffalo the and uh, Commanders? What's the spread of that game? I'll give you I'll a hint. Say- Buffalo's the favorite. Okay, I would say the spread has to be at least eight points. 
it is six. Oh, it's only six points then. Yeah, it's six points. The but 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 to your point, eight points. You know, they're they're the road team. You always get three when you're home. We know the deal. Uh, but yeah, it's a the Bills are minus six point favorites right now with a forty two and a half over under in Washington. But I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, okay. If, and that's but that's even more reason that if the Commanders win this game, my very thick caterpillar eyebrows will go way up. That much, I promise you. Very thick caterpillar eyebrows. What in the heck are you talking about? I got thick eyebrows. You never notice I got thick eyebrows? Are those what you call Italian eyebrows? <laughs> well, you don't need to make it ethno. They are Italian eyebrows, 100%. Those, these oh, are. Man. <laughs> Jeez. I love you, Farsi. I love you right back, brother. I love you right back. Um, uh, who the hell else we got here on this uh, on this list here? Oh. Uh, so that was uh, oh that was a two and zero Commanders team. Let's talk about another two and zero team, and this one hits not exactly at home. No, let's go to this one because it hit close to home to you. To you. The New Orleans Saints, yeah, two and zero, and who yep. are they playing? The Green Bay Packers. And where are they playing, Derek Gunn? At historic Lambeau Field. <laughs> hey, you know, hold on, time out, real quick. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever asked you this. What? The renovations they've made to Lambeau Field over the last like ten years, just just thumbs up or thumbs down from you. I like, I, I like it. Um, it, it. It's so much history there. I, yeah. I like it. And obviously, yeah. yeah, you know, people live and die their football. And what's the bottom line? Make money. So Lambeau Field. Hey, we expand the seats. We make more money. It's a simple math equation. Mm-hmm. So they did. I, I like what they did to the. I state. agree. I agree. No. But, you know, Mark, like I've, I've, I've told people before, you know, um, when you cover the game as long as I have, you know, the, you, you, you're like, all right, get to this stadium, get there, cover the game, do what you got to do, get the heck out of Dodge. You know, have sure. a couple of good meals with your crews on the company's dime, get the heck out of Dodge. When I walk into Lambeau Field, I get a chill because it's still the original stadium. Yeah. And when you walk out of the tunnel, they still have a strip of the original brick on the ground from when that stadium was built and you get to step on that stadium. And then you walk out on the field and you see all these numbers hanging above the rafters. They are hanging alongside the, the, the awnings. You see Bart Starr's number. You see Fuzzy Thurston, Jim Taylor, Paul Horning, um, Herb Adderley, Max McGee, you know, and you see all these, uh, you see all these, these numbers and it's like a chill. It's like a surreal moment that, I'm standing on the field of one of the most historic stadiums in all of the history of pro football. I'm standing on a stadium where um, the stadium of the team that has won the most championships in NFL history with 13, including four Super Bowl championships. If for you know for Eagle fans who are in who are entrenched in history, so you can understand being a Wisconsin native, what that's like for me to be able to stand on that field before a game and after a game, and just look at the surroundings and all the memories come back. Of, of the games that I've watched, the good and the bad, you know, because they went through like a 26-year period. It was like the Mojave Desert. After the <laughs> days of Bart Starr, there was Jerry Taggy, um, you know, um, all these quarterbacks, you're sitting there going, oh, my goodness, can this please be over? Can this, it was, you know, then all of a sudden they make a draft for this unknown Southern boy named Brett Favor. You know, <laughs> people were screaming because the Packers give up a high draft pick uh, for to give up a quarterback who was sitting on a bench in Atlanta. And, like, who the heck is this Brett? Brett you know, Fabray? Uh, Fabray? Ron, Ron Wolf makes 
one of the most historic trades ever, and the rest is history in terms of all of a sudden he becomes a pie piper of the, of the NFL, not just because of his this, – this dude was like a linebacker playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. He missed. He set the record for consecutive games played for a player in the National Football League. The dude played with broken bones. Uh, he stepped to the line of scrimmage a couple of times, would throw up, have to call a timeout, go to the sideline, come back right, right back in and play. Next play. Okay. Um, that, that set the tone, you know in a lot of ways for, for what green Bay finally emerged out of that dark tunnel of despair for 20 something years and set the tone. And then of course they, they draft Aaron Rodgers, so on and so forth. <clears throat> so, so that that's special for me to be able to do that, you know? So, so you, you like the stadium. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I like it. <laughs> I, I will agree with you. I, my, my feeling was as, cause I got to watch the renovations over the 10 years going there at least once or twice a year. And um, I felt like they always kept the old school vibe very much intact. Like, yes, it was different, but it's it still felt the same Lambo. Now, you met you mentioned the tunnel. When you go out on the field, you walk over that strip. They have a plaque on the wall, and we're in. I'm in no way, shape, or form a Packers fan, but I am a football fan. And there's a plaque on the wall that reads, and if this doesn't give you chills, man, when you walk out, I don't know what will. Proud generations of Packers, world champions. Uh, record 13 times have run over this very concrete yep. to greatness. It just, it is fantastic. See, Chills, baby. Chills. When, um, you, hear, when you hear John, John Facenda's voice, you know, go Lambo. <laughs> you're like, oh. And, it, and it's literally in a neighborhood. You literally drive yeah. through a 1960s neighborhood and then there's right. all of a sudden Lambo Field. It's like it's like driving through a happy days neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, it is pretty wild, man. Um, Buffalo's the same way. You know, this house you walk you walk out of houses in Buffalo right across the street to the stadium. Green Bay's the same way. You know, now Buffalo wants to build this new fabulous stadium. I get it. I understand sure. it. Yeah. Green Bay is going to stick to its tradition until you tell them it is obsolete. A thousand percent. Um so anyway, the Saints gonna lose. <laughs> Saints two and zero going up against the one and one Green Bay Packers. Uh, the last I saw, Aaron Jones still questionable for this game. Uh, yes, and so is Christian Watson. If the speedy, well, Green Bay's got a lot of speed at wide receiver, but mm-hmm. he's he's the speediest of the speedy wide receivers, and he's a big target at six five. They, they desperately need him back in there. But when you look at how um, Derek Carr has only thrown one touchdown pass in two games so far, and that offense has not been the juggernaut I thought it would be coming out, out of the gate. Green Bay's got a good chance to win this game at home. I think these two teams are playing on an even keel. The only problem I have is Green Bay still can't stop the run, just like last year. They couldn't stop the run. And they couldn't stop the run down in New Orleans, give it, uh, down in Atlanta, giving up 211 yards rushing. But I think there's one game I want to put ahead of that. I think Atlanta loses at Detroit. Oh, I'm with you. I, yeah, a thousand percent. I absolutely I have that on my list as well. Falcons two and zero going into Detroit to face the one and one Lions, and I have the uh, the Falcons losing that game. I agree with you. Yeah, one and one Lions. The the Lions are minus three favorites right now at home. The Saints are. Plus one, they're one-point underdogs in Green Bay against the Packers. We talked about the the Commanders and the Bills. We talked about the Falcons. We talked about the Saints and Packers right there. What about your 0-2 teams, Derek Gunn? Who do you have jumping out to get their first win of the season this week? Who's tops on your list? I think New England got a really good chance to beat the Jets. The Jets are struggling offensively. 
I can see that being like a 17-13 type game. Oof. And, uh, you know, New England's on the road at the Jets. Jets have offensive problems, obviously, with the quarterback situation. Um, and I think New England, with their defense, you know, the New England defense doesn't get the accolades of their Jets defense. I understand why. But New England has a very good defense, you know. Mm-hmm. And I expect them to give uh, Zach Wilson fits in this game. And that could make the game a lot closer. And I expect New England to get a couple of turnovers in that game. So I think this is where New England picks up their first win. I'm with you. Uh, New England minus two and a half. There are two and a half point favorites going in that game. It's one o'clock kickoff. CBS has the game. Then how about this one? A battle of winless teams. The Chargers take on the Vikings, both 0-2. Obviously, the Vikings are hosting this game. Minnesota is minus one. So it's a uh, essentially a pick in this one. Chargers 0-2, Vikings 0-2. Who wins that game of the winless teams? I'm taking the Chargers on the road in that game. I think they have much better personnel than the Vikings, especially on defense. Although the Chargers' defense has not been a stop-it-type defense, that's why they're 0-2 right now. They can't get off the field. But when you look at the personnel they have on that Chargers' defense, there's no excuse for them being as inept as, as, as they've been. But I think the Vikings, which has lesser personnel, I think Justin Herbert will have a lot more success against the Vikings' defense than Kirk Cousins will have against that Chargers defense. I I I I feel like I'm president of the Justin Herbert hate club. Like Hello. I don't like Hello. like I I respect him, but like people anoint this guy like a top five quarterback, top four. I don't know. I I'm just not that big. Like I haven't. Maybe it's East Coast bias. I don't know. I just I don't get it. I see the Vikings winning this game. I see Kirk Cousins finally having enough to air it out with Justin Jefferson and being able to 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 come out with their first win of the season. And I think the Chargers drop to 0-3 on the year. So I got the Vikings taking that game. You mentioned the Patriots and the, the Jets. I agree with you there. How about this one? This one's another odd one there, Gunner. Hmm. The Rams are 1-1, one one, visiting the Bengals. Joe Burrow, still a little banged up, um, has not been a good start to the season, obviously, at 0-2 for this Bengals team. They're hosting a Rams team that actually hung around pretty well with the uh, undefeated San Francisco 49ers last week. They had the weird field goal situation to end that game to cover. Who do you think wins this one? Bengals, Rams, Bengals 0-2. They, uh, that game has the Bengals actually as a two-and-a-half point favorite, over under 43-and-a-half. Do the Bengals get their first win of the season, Derek Gunn? Well, the Rams have surprised people with their play, you know, with a bunch of no-names. Uh, on offense, you know, you look at the receivers that have replaced, um, you know, Cooper uh, um, Cup. Yep. And it's like, who? Tutu Atwell and Paku. Nakua. 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 This guy set an NFL record for consecutive passes in a, in a game for a rookie. He's shocked, you know, to be honest with you. Um, I think the Rams are going to give them a problem, but. Is Joe Burrow playing? He didn't practice two consecutive days in a row. We don't know how, how much the injury is really bothering him. I still believe, you know, that Joe Burrow, even as a stationary target who can't get outside the pocket and scramble like he wants to, um, is, is still a dangerous guy. When you think about that trio of receivers that they have there, plus they got a pretty good tight end. Um, I just think, you know, you, you go back to last year. Cincinnati started out 0-2 last year, finished 12-4, and okay? I don't know if they're going to win 12 games this year, but I know they're in desperation mode right now because they're two games behind Baltimore. So I, I think this is going to be a good game 
if I could get in a game for free, I would put this, this on, the, on my list of games I want to see because Stafford has played well. Uh, their defense, the Rams' defense, is a bunch of no names other than Aaron Donald. And, you know, they gave they gave the 49ers fits last week. They really did. I know it's a divisional game. They gave the 49ers fits for a while in that game. I expect that to be a close game, but I'm going to take the Bengals at home. Bengals at home. I'm going to take the Bengals as well, especially if uh, Burrow goes out there and plays. It is interesting. He is still very much hampered by that calf injury. So uh, I'll be keeping a close eye on that uh, for betting purposes. Uh, when we come back, we got a bunch of things we got to get into in the final hour of the show. I want to go through the Eagles injury list, and uh, I want to know what I should be concerned about and what I shouldn't be concerned about here, Derek. As you, uh, I know, talk and uh, you know, tap into all your sources to see who's going to be ready to go come Monday night for kickoff against the Bucks. I still haven't told you. I got to tell you about my experience at Raymond James Stadium. It's one of the coolest experiences I've ever had as a sports fan, as a media member, whatever it might be. I got to talk about that. And then how are fans going to react tonight Scott Rowland inducted to the Phillies Wall of Fame in South Philly tonight. How is he going to be received by Phillies fans? We'll get into that. And also why we continue to have confidence in Jalen Hurts despite a slow start in the in the Eagles passing game. We'll be back here on Sports Take. Hey, interview. We got oh. Trayvon Diggs. We got Saquon Barkley. Oh, of course. We got all that injury news as well. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Farzee. Give us a show. Miss Give us the program, man. Miss Guzzi, my apologies. My apologies. <laughs> we'll be back in a few here on Sports Take. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street. And uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Sports take Mark Farzetta in for Rob Ellis, who has the day off. That's Derek Gunn. You know him, you love him. Uh, before we jump into anything else, you've been called worse. You, you, you of course, uh, mentioned uh, Trayvon Diggs. Um, he's been pretty good at football over the last three years. Uh, he's got he's ranked number one over the last three seasons when it comes to opponent passer rating. When targeted, he's got the best one over the last three years. He leads the NFL in interceptions with 15 over the last three years. And yesterday at practice, suffered a torn ACL. He is done for the year. Now, we know the Dallas defense is stacked. And you want to know something else? Just real quick, on that subject, Dallas has scored 70 points. Yes. Yeah. You know how many offensive touchdowns they have of those 70 points? How many? Five. So, like, half their offense is coming from special teams and defense being able to get in the end zone. That's that's pretty good. Um, and Trayvon Diggs certainly is a big part of that. Even if he's only got one interception in the first two games, the only one interception in the first two games of the season, obviously he affects greatly what an offense is doing. How big a blow is this to that great Dallas defense, Derek? Uh, it, it's huge. Um, but I will say this. Dallas's success ratio on defense is predicated by that front seven. You know, you look at the 49ers defense, they don't have a great back end of their defense. You know what makes them so great is their ability to create create chaos with their front seven. And Dallas is the same way. Stephon Gilmore is a great cornerback. Tandem with Trayvon Diggs was a great tandem. But now that he's gone, you know, they have a young man named uh, Deron Bland who led the team in interceptions last year and who had a pick six this, a pick six this year. Um, so with that said, they're still going to get the pressure up front. Now, teams are going to try to attack Bland to see what he can and cannot do. They got him in a trade last year with Indianapolis. But they feel really, really good about him and some of the other young talent they have behind him. We're going to see how that plays itself out. You know, for as good as Trayvon Diggs has been, and he parlayed that into a $97 million contract. Oof. Okay, $97 million, 42-plus million guaranteed. What's the biggest knock on Trayvon? He's a gambler. He gives up as many big plays as he gets. Now, maybe this kid is more technically sound and doesn't give up as many big plays, okay? Uh, we're going to find out. But, you know, Dallas, you know, that that, that offensive line of Tyler you know, ass, he's got a hamstring injury. So now their offensive line is being affected as well. So the little nicks are starting to add up, you know, and we'll see how Dallas counters with that. But right now, Dallas, Dallas is one of those teams you have to talk about because of what they've done. You said – all three phases of their game is going well for them right now. All three phases. Um, you can't say that about every team, even, even the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. And say that, you know. So, you know what? Let's see. Is Dallas the real deal? 
I don't think this is a true test because where does Dallas play this Sunday? You know? Arizona? Yes, I do know. They play, yeah, they play Jonathan Gannon in Arizona. Yes, of course. Sorry. So yeah. that's going to be like David versus Goliath. <laughs> See? So let's just say right now, unless the unless the rapture occurs, Dallas is going to be three and zero coming out of that game, and they're going to pad more stats. You know, they're gonna have they're gonna have more big players on offense, defense, and special teams against an Arizona team that looks more like a CFL team right now. Okay, all right, hold on. Uh, uh, let, let me put on my Homer hat because when I thought about this before, and Jonathan Gannon knows the Cowboys really well. Maybe he knows how to stop them. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Anyway, uh, no, the Cowboys are going to be three and zero, unfortunately, and yes, it's a huge hit to their defense. But here's the thing: I got I got to fall back on. I, I like people are even starting to do it with Jalen Carter, compare him to a great, an all time great, and they're obviously talking about Jerome Brown. Our friend Dan Cilio has certainly done that on this very channel, um, and I think it's worth it to at least enter the conversation. I want to ask you this question about Micah Parsons because everybody jumps to Lawrence Taylor. He's the most impactful defensive player, edge rusher, linebacker, whatever, since Lawrence Taylor. Uh, Aaron Donald's pretty damn good at football. J.J. Watt's pretty damn good at football, was pretty good at football. T.J. Watt is pretty damn good at football. But Micah Parsons seems like he is in his own world, man. And he is certainly a guy that could change the outcome of a game as a defensive player. Do you put him in that same category? Uh, or is he flirting with the conversation of being put in there with Lawrence Taylor? Where do you have Micah Parsons as far as most dominant players you've seen play, Derek Gunn, in recent memory? Heck no. He's not there yet. Um, he's off to a phenomenal start. <coughs> Excuse me. He's off to a phenomenal start. And he is a phenomenal talent. He is a disruptive factor. No question about that. Um, but I can't put him in that category. There is only one Lawrence Taylor. J.J. Mm-hmm. Uh, Watt, phenomenal player. No question about it. Aaron Donald may go down as one of the best, if not may go down as the best defensive tackle that ever played the game. When you consider Aaron Donald is undersized at 6'1", about 275, 280. What he's able to do uh, over a center is, is nothing short of phenomenal. His strength, stamina, speed, and you still, no matter how they try to scheme him, you still can't stop him. I would put Aaron Donald closer to Lawrence Taylor than I would Michael Parsons. And that's not a knock against Michael Parsons. Mm-hmm. At two great years, he was a defensive rookie of the year. He's off to a phenomenal start this year. But you got to do it over a longer span than one plus year in your career for me to put you in that kind of category. Mm-hmm. Where do you put that TJ Watt character that just became now one of the things you have to keep in mind is that when the Steelers were dominating in the 70s, the sack wasn't an official stat yet. So TJ Watt just became the Steelers all-time sack leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I you saw the tweet from his brother, JJ Watt, saying, best defense player, period. Best defense player, period. TJ Watt. Right now, it, you're talking about guys like Aaron Donald, talking about TJ Watt, you're talking about Micah Parsons. These are all guys that on the defensive side of things can absolutely change drastically the outcome yeah. of the game. And these yeah. are guys that are the first three names on the defensive side of the football that when offensive coordinators or offensive-minded head coaches like Nick Sirianni doing game planning throughout the week, the whole time they're talking about, all right, where's Parsons? Where's Watt? Where's a guy like Aaron Dott? They're all talking about those three names when they're going into games against these teams. That's how impactful they are. When I look at a T.J. Watt, he is a phenomenal, 
phenomenal talent. There's no question about that. Um, since his rookie year, when he had seven sacks his rookie year, he had all these consecutive years, one, two, three, four, five, five consecutive years, 13, 14 and a half, 15, 22 and a half sacks. And then, of course, he only had five and a half last year because he missed significant time with injury. T.J. Watt is back on track. He has four and two games already. He's a phenomenal talent. He's got 81 sacks already in seven in six plus years in the National Football League. 81 and a half sacks already. At this pace, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no question about that. He's got to stay healthy. No, no question about that. Uh, T.J. Watt is phenomenal, but I don't put anybody in the category of Lawrence Taylor, especially okay. when you take into consideration the stories that have come out about Lawrence Taylor since his retirement, about how he would miss practices and stuff like that, how he would miss meetings the night before a game, how he showed up in the middle of a game one time <laughs> under Bill Parcells, and he still played, okay? That's the kind of respect he commanded. He showed up hungover from nights out and, and, and have three, four, five sacks in a game. Now, you're saying if this dude could play that and he wasn't mentally focused, what would he have been like if he had stayed focused and not had all these other side issues that he was dealing with? Mm -hmm. There is only one Lawrence Taylor. He was he was probably one of the most dis disruptive forces in the history of pro football. I, I put it to you like this. I think there's two names, and I think it's Reggie White, obviously, and I think it's Lawrence Taylor. Those are the two names that – it's like, with it, 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 yeah. the, like that's the only real argument I feel on the defensive side of things when you're talking about all-time greats. I think yeah. those guys are, depending on who you talk to, one and two. Very yeah. simple, one yeah. and two in, in those regards. Um, all right, now as far as we just talked about Trayvon Diggs, we talked about the injury there. Uh, that's in the division. Saquon Barkley. I This didn't pass my – I don't think it passed anybody's smell test. They held out hope that he was going to be ready to go by last night's kickoff against the 49ers, and then it came out – briefly you know quickly right before game time that he was in fact going to be listed as out um i never bought it i never saw first off reports come out that he was going to be out three weeks then yesterday it comes out high ankle sprain so there was no chance he was going to play in last night's game how do you think this is only a three-week injury do you think this linger lingers what have you heard about saquon barkley uh, they're looking at three weeks right now and when you when you utilize your, your 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 ankles and stuff the way he does, because as explosive as he is, his lower body strength is ridiculous, you know. And I'll never forget Malcolm Jenkins talking about Malcolm tried to tackle him one side inside inside the ten yard line when he was running, and he just bounced right off him. He said his thighs are the biggest thighs he's ever seen for a running back, you know. <laughs> Obviously, Malcolm didn't play against Earl Campbell because I. I covered a couple games Earl Campbell played in when he was the Houston Texans, and I went into the Houston locker room, and, and Earl Campbell's thigh plates were bigger than a dinner plate. You know, that's how big that man's legs were. But Saquon's power is generated from his legs. So I think they're going to be very cautious with this, even though they're in a desperate situation, the way that offense is struggling. But you got to be very careful because you need him down the stretch for big games. If somehow, some way, the Giants are able to turn their misfortunes around, which I don't think they will be, I think it's going to be more downs than ups this season for the Giants. But you need to do Saquon back there. And you don't want to rush him back. So mm -hmm. right now, medically speaking, they're looking at a three-week absence. Who knows? Depends on how quickly he heals. Who knows? That, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I didn't buy it. I just didn't buy it. I, I thought when the injury happened um, – that was going to be it for him for a while, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, now let's talk about these Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the injury report or 
should I call it laundry list? Good Lord. Um, okay, a lot of guys limited in practice. I'm not going to name them all, but it's a very full list. Let's just say that. And this is, of course, yesterday. But guys that did not practice yesterday, Terrell Edmonds, Boston Scott, Quez Watkins. Watkins got the uh, hamstring. Scott's dealing with a concussion. And then Edmonds had an illness. So hopefully he'll be ready to go come Monday night. Limited in practice was James Bradbury, who had the concussion. Reed Blankenship was limited. Fletcher Cox was limited. Those are the names I'll stop with right there. Uh, also, Kenny Gainwell limited. Who should I be concerned? Josh Sweat pops up on this list with a lift with a uh, list with a toe injury. Gunner, anyone I should be concerned with about not being ready to go come Monday night? Maybe Quez. You know, I think with those ribs injury because we haven't heard anything come out saying that that there was a crack in any rib for for Kenny Gainwell or Blankenship. If anything, it was just like deep bruise. And you can control that. And you've had 11 days to get that ready for what's to come. Um, I, I would be a little surprised if those two were not back on the field. Um, but I, I, I would also add, you know, you talk about um, Josh Sweat. He might have stubbed his toe in the shower. Who knows? <laughs> You gonna stub this toe walking, you know, walking out on the field. I, I'm gonna run with that. I'm gonna run with that. Derek Gunn reports Josh Sweat stubbed his toe coming out of the shower. Limited at I practice. Mean, I don't see that stopping him uh, from playing Monday night, unless it's some kind of turf toe he got in practice. Uh, Boston Scott is still in concussion protocol as well. I haven't seen Scott on the field. That tells me that could be a little bit more serious uh, than we first led to be. Um, Bradbury should be good to go come Monday night. And I expect at least to see Blankenship back out there on Monday night. Okay. Um, the one name on here that I was not expecting to see, and it always concerns me. And I know he, he practiced, but again, was limited. Devontae Smith is a speed wide receiver. Yes. He's a quick wide receiver. The minute I see anybody that their game is predicated on speed and quickness, and I see hamstring. I go, just shut it down. Shut it down. No, no reason for him to play until Monday night. I don't even want to see LP next to his name. I want to see DNP. Did not practice next to his name. Have you heard anything about Devontae Smith and the level of concern with his hamstring slash thigh injury uh, ahead of Monday night's game? No, but let me. Now that you mention it, let me ask a question of inquiring minds. Uh, somebody who I know is in the know mm. uh, as we continue to discuss, because that's been kept relatively quiet. And as we know, oh, yeah. injuries are, tri are tricky, especially for our speed guys. Yeah. <laughs> and ask somebody now. Actually, so. just call. I'm sure this is legal. Just call them and put them on speaker and don't tell. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, the only name that really jumps out to me of concern, I expect James Bradbury, as you said, Terrell Evans, anytime you see some illness, kick the bug, get back out there. Uh, concussion with Boston Scott, the hamstring with Quez Watkins. Those are two concerns, especially because they did not practice at all yesterday. And then Devontae Smith. But Devontae Smith is the number one thing because, yes, it has not been talked about a lot. And when you talk about being limited, I'd rather you just shut it down. Anytime, speed, quickness, receiver position, hamstring injury, that never adds up to anything good. So I will eagerly await whatever news you get on that situation. Um, before the break, I mentioned uh, that we still have a lot of confidence in a guy like uh, Jalen Hurts. I want to wait till we have a little bit more time to dissect that. But I want to ask you this question. Um, tonight is an interesting night. Uh, 
And I didn't even know, but you told me uh, during our pre-show meeting, you had a personal interaction with this guy. And that's Scott Rowland. Yeah. I, I've never met Scott Rowland. I've never talked to Scott Rowland. Before I was in the media in Philadelphia, he was – actually, no, he was just being traded to the St. Louis Cardinals when I, before I got into the media. Okay. And, and um, so I never had any, any interaction with him. But as a fan and yes. growing, growing up here, I know that it was a love-hate relationship. My buddy – my buddy Stones, my man Mike Lanza, to this day hates Scott Rowland. And I remember wow. we'd go to games, and he would go to games when when uh, uh, the Cardinals were in town, and we went to a couple of games together in college when the when the Cardinals were in town, and he went just to boo Scott Rowland, I think. And I, you know, I had smattering of applause. You know. But uh, tonight he gets inducted to the Wall of Fame. He's already in the Hall of Fame. He had a great career here in Philadelphia. Power numbers, average on base, gold gloves uh, would have been, if he was never traded, would have been young enough to stay here for the Rollins-Utley-Howard infield. Imagine that, Derek Gunn. Imagine Scott Rollins playing the hot corner. So tonight he gets inducted to the Wall of Fame for the Phillies. How will Phillies fans react to Scott Rollins stepping out onto the field at Citizens Bank Park in front of the Philly faithful how are they going to welcome him back to South Philly? Boo um, or cheer? Um, I think there'll be a mixture of of both. I would hope that the cheers by far outweigh the boos because that's embarrassing, not only for the players, but for the fan base as well. Um, I understand there were a lot of people that were hurt by the fact that when it came out that he didn't want to be here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, here's a guy who's a small town guy who, who, you know what, everybody's not made for Philadelphia. They're not. Everybody's not made for New York. Everybody's not made for Boston. They're just not, you know, and he wanted to be in an environment. And luckily for him, he got to St. Louis and he felt more comfortable in a smaller environment like St. Louis compared to Philadelphia. But a lot of fa Philly fans took that to heart and, you know, and that dug deep. And I understand that, you know, uh, because when you hear they're going to embrace you, uh, you're one of them. But when you tell people that you don't want to be here, all of a sudden you're the outcast. So I get it. I really do. But I would hope that – what are you smirking at? I, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but it's the, it's, it's the dice roll of how the Philly fans are going to react. I agree with everything you're saying, but it's the dice roll of what goes down tonight. I see, Scott Rowland, I know, was a, good, was a cool dude. Remember, when we hit the ground running with Comcast Sportsnet, you know, all of us uh, reporters and anchors, we had to cover – we didn't have specific beats right out of the gate, although I knew my role would eventually be football – because I covered the Packers, the Chargers, and the Steelers for years when, and, and other stops in my career. Uh, but initially, I, I covered everything. I could baseball, hockey, covered it all. Matter of fact, for the first four or five years when football was over, I'd jump into hockey. I'd be a spring training, you know, for five to ten days of spring training as well, covering baseball. And I love baseball. You know, uh, you know, baseball is a close second love to, to football, you know. Um, Scott Rowland was genuine, man. He was down to earth. He didn't say a whole lot. He was quiet. And – you know, as I got to know Scott, you know, I'm out of King of Pressure Mall with my wife and we're shopping. And, you know, you know, you know, our husbands are. We get tired of following the wife in every store, especially like handbag stores and, and you know, perfume stores and stuff like this. Like, OK, I'm done. I'm especially just, in those days where there's no online option. Exactly. You know, I, I'm just going to go sit on this bench over here and you go do. Hey, you just go enjoy yourself shopping. I'm sitting on the bench. Somebody yells, hey, I turn around, Scott Rowland. He was there with his then girlfriend, you know. So we're just talking, and my wife comes out of the store. I say, hey, hon, this is Scott Rowland. Uh, Scott, this is my wife, Trish. And she goes, 
Oh, are you one of the producers at Comcast Sports? <laughs> and I went like this. I just went like this. Oh, geez. And Scott busted out laughing. He says, no, I play for the Phillies. I looked at my wife, and she knew. And she was a little embarrassed because, you know, the wife of a sportscaster should know this stuff. But yes, she's you're right. a casual sports fan, and we're getting new to a city. She didn't know. You know, so and then the other moment she reminded me of this morning was she did the same thing with Donovan McNabb. We're out of King of Prussia Mall. We're out of King of Prussia Mall, right? And Donovan McNabb, you know, Eagles uh, first round draft pick. He's still now. This is before he became Donovan McNabb. He was uh-huh. still in his emerging stage. We're at King of Prussia Mall, and we're shopping. And I, you know, I see D Mac. He comes over. We talk. I introduce him to the wife, and she goes, "You're a photographer." <laughs> Okay, here we go. I said, okay. So uh, that, that taught me a valuable lesson about trying to prep her before we encounter certain people. So. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying there about the wife. Scott, yeah. well, Scott Rollins is cool. Get back to what you were talking about. Scott Rollins is a cool dude. No, I, I, I've heard great things about people that had personal interactions with him and all that stuff. So when it comes to the Phillies fans tonight, here's the prediction I'm going to make. As a, as a native Philadelphian, you have the floor. I predict he gets no boos of significance. Okay. Booing Scott Rowland will not be a story tonight after the ceremony, and it won't be a story tomorrow. He is not going to get some kind of thunderous boo. There might be a few, but I don't think it'll be anything significant. I think he gets a light applause. No one's losing their mind over Scott Rowland, positive or negative. I think they try to play the 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 the, the high card with him. They give him an applause. They let him say his piece. They drop the banner in the the wall to to reveal the plaque, and that's that. And everyone goes on their merry way. But I do ask for people that are unsure about what's going to happen tonight. I'll here's, say this. Here's I'll the way say, I see it, my oh, go, go, Okay, yeah, sure. Here's the way I see it. Scott Rowland could very easily say, uh, I'm not coming back there. He could very easily say it. Mm-hmm. But then he knows that would be an embarrassment to the organization. Now, Scott Rowland is smart enough to know that he left here on bad terms. He understands that. But the fact that he is coming back for this moment, I think the fan base should let bygones be bygones and applaud him for the time that he was here and not boo him for how he left here. Uh Hey, Gunner, would you like to have a four-time gold glover with a 282 batting average, 373 on base percentage, and a guy that hit 150 home runs? Did a one, two, three, four, five different times he hit over 20 home runs for the Phillies? Would you mind having that? Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having that. That'd that'd be pretty good. I mean, think about it. He played on some bad teams here. I mean – they yeah, like bad, you know. Maybe, maybe the losing got to him. Maybe he just wanted out. Maybe that was it more so than he wasn't cut for Philadelphia. You he, oh, wow. He won his first gold glove in, in 1998, and he won his last gold glove in 2010. Isn't that something? That is that is incredible. That's a that, great journey. That's a great journey. That uh, Absolutely, that is a great journey. And played the hot corner. Pretty damn good. Kind of like another guy that played here in Philadelphia named Mike Schmidt. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. There we go. I had to do it. I had it. There you go. Uh, No, I was a Scott Rowland guy. I was a Scott Rowland guy. So I do think he gets cheered tonight. 
I don't think it's going to be a note tomorrow that he got booed. I don't think that's going to be a storyline. I think the Phillies fans are going to cheer Scott Rowland. And you know what? They're going to make the good vibes start with Scott Rowland getting cheered during the pregame ceremony, and then they're going to keep the good vibes going when they go and they take the second game of this four-game series against the New York, New York Metropolitans tonight in South Philadelphia. Nick Cassiano stays red hot. Woo! Six home runs so far in the month of August. Wow. Career high in uh, RBIs for him as well. Hey, here, uh, you know, you were talking about the limited players in practice. Uh, Sherry, Sherry Brooks here in our chat says, uh, you know, according to Dave Zangaro, those listed as limited practice today. So that's a good sign. That's a great sign. Yeah. That's a great sign. But I still, if there's anything with Dev- Devontae Smith being on the injured list for a hamstring, just don't play. Just sit down, take a breather, relax. Don't need any more from you, my friend. Just just, just take it easy a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Here you go. All right. Uh, all right. When we come back, we're going to get back into the Jalen Hurts conversation. Uh, we're going to put a bow on uh, some of the things that we're expecting to see from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this matchup. We got and birthdays on this day also. We got we, birthdays. Oh, can't forget about the birthdays. Last few minutes of the show, we got the birthday list here. Do you have, you have your list in front of you? Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. I got to do that list. I forgot about that. You're not, you're not going to be able to do this too long and lengthy. You're not going to – there's no way, you know, in a three-minute break. And I and I still, to this day, I believe that Tone does not take three-minute breaks. There's no way that those are three-minute breaks. They're more like two minutes and 48 seconds, something like that. They're not three minutes. You'd be nice. You'd be nice to Tone. Can't do it. Good. Good love Tone. Good. Love Tone to death, but can't do it. I think he missed times on purpose trying to catch me off guard. In, in, in three minutes, I'm gonna I'm gonna make myself my final espresso of the day because now I got to get ready for like the rest of my day. I got to do Philly's post game tonight on the Fightin's Fightin's post game show here on Jacob Media. Got to do that tonight after the game. Oh, and so put we'll get to that. The bed too. Oh. What's that? And put little kids to bed also. Oh no, the missus handles that. She's oh. a champion. I got I got to watch the game, Gunner. Oh wait, hold on. You want to know something great? You'll love this. Look, Tone said two fifty seven to be exact. See. Those extra three seconds are important for me to get back to my chair. See what I mean? He can't time a break. Okay? Gunner, you're gonna love this. What you're gonna love this. My daughter now tells my wife in a very like disgusted, like scoffing at mm-hmm. manner. Mm-hmm. My wife will say, Hey, could you do, do, do the thing? Can you run the other room and do whatever? And my daughter, God bless her, she'll go, Mom, he's gotta watch the game. There you go. And Patty's uh, girl. Oh, uh, the my heart is filled with love. My heart is filled with love. So warm, so warm. Uh, when we come back, we'll do the birthdays. We'll also do a talk about Jalen Hurts and what to expect for him going forward in this matchup with Todd Bowles and what else to look for when it comes to this Eagles secondary taking on the Bucks. That's when Sports Take continues in a few. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles I just need like the soft jams of Jacob Media That's a D-Gun special right there Is that what that is? One of my boys hooked us up with that show thing Oh really? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, young man who's a music producer who has done well for himself. He's won a Grammy or two uh, as a music producer. Um, grew up with my kids, you know, um, and and has done very well for himself. So I said, "Hey, man, I need a beat because the beat we had on the show was like the the royalty free, whatever." Yeah, yeah. So he's he's got just hundreds of beats that he plays around with and keeps them in his archives. So he gave me this one, you know. And and Rob Ellis and Barrett Brooks and I, we heard it said, "Oh, that's it, that's it right there, that's it, brother." So uh, you have been you have been privileged to the archives <laughs> of Sports Take. Is that your is that your R and B radio DJ voice right there? Put your hand on your laptop and let the vibes flow through, because Econ's <laughs> archives of 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 beats it'll it'll not only move but it will remove what ails you. You ever see the movie Warriors? Yeah. Warriors. Come, Come out and play it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, I, I forget the lady's voice. She's such a great actress. She's got such oh, an amazing yeah. voice. The, 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 the radio in that, the, yeah. the, the radio voice she does. It's not even a radio voice. She's got a great voice. Like people would say to me, oh, let me hear your radio voice. And I'm like, this is, I got this and a bad Christopher Walken. Those are the two voices I have. So she would get on a radio. Hey, boppers. The Warriors have just been spotted. Do yeah. what you need to do. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, all right. Okay. What's the one with before the baseball gang? It's the bottom of the ninth, and they're coming through. Like something like that. Oh man, that and they get the close up of her lips right by the microphone for the diction. Oh my goodness gracious, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. What a great movie. If you haven't seen it, kids, go see Warriors. Um, what the hell were we talking about? I forget. Anyway, uh, so yeah, go see. 
know. All right. Gunner. We've talked this show. We've talked throughout this show about Jalen Hurts. And we've talked throughout this show about concern levels with Jalen Hurts. And if you're in the fan base and you've had conversations with, with your friends, your fellow Eagles fans, about the level of concern you have for a 2-0 football team, a 2-0 football team, and your friends are like, ah, they're 2-0, what are you worried about? Just know that my third favorite philosopher, Jalen Hurts behind Marcus Aurelius, uh, Socrates, and then Jalen Hurts, he says it's all good. He says, look, it's not great. You're you got a perfect record, but you haven't played perfect football. To quote, to quote him yesterday, he said something very simple. If you play, if you win, but you don't play to the standard, you feel unfulfilled. If you lose, but you play to the standard, you're still unfulfilled. He's saying you're never satisfied. Yes, you shouldn't be. If you're not impressed with a 2-0 football team, Guess what you have in common with that 2-0 football team? You're yeah, not impressed you, with yourself. You I think that room. is a very valuable thing with your quarterback. You have room for improvement is what he's saying. You know, an artist is never satisfied with the paintings, even though he may have an historic painting. A musician is never satisfied. Even if they have a Grammy Award-winning sound, they want to improve on that. An athlete, I don't care how many championships they win, they never stop improving. They are never satisfied. They always look back and say they can do something a little bit better. That's the way you approach things. That's the way greatness is achieved. Never rest on your past laurels. Always look to exceed what you've accomplished. That's what the great ones do in any facet. Mm. Now I have my fourth favorite philosopher, Derek Gunn. That's my fourth favorite philosopher now. But you, you, you do think about it. You you do think about it. I, I I mean I've talked about the leadership with this team, and we've all met, you know talked about how great it is and all that stuff, and reasons you feel confident the Eagles can make it back to a Super Bowl, and reason you don't feel like the Eagles are going to um, suffer the Super Bowl hangover. Okay. The reason I have confidence in Jalen Hurts is between the ears what he has, and we talked about this earlier on the show, but. What he has between the ears far outweighs whatever it was that drove Carson Wentz nuts. Mm -hmm. That whatever it was that took Carson Wentz out of the picture here in Philadelphia, whatever broke his concentration. Jalen Hurts, and you and I have talked about this before using this exact phrase, he's on mental steroids. Whatever it is, the guy's focus is incredible. And when I see him struggle, it makes me wait. Not for a, a further struggle. Not it doesn't make me wait for him for his demise. It makes me wait for the bounce back. Yeah. And as a, as a team, if you're not throwing the ball well, the fact that you can push a button and you could dominate in the run game so well is obviously a saving grace. But you want to see Jalen Hurts go out there and be able to read the defense and and make the right progressions and and and, and make accurate throws and make great decisions. It was terrifying, and you were sitting next to me when he did it when he threw the interception against the Vikings. That was such an anti-Jalen Hurts play. And it wasn't because it was a, a bad throw. Like, if he overthrew Quez Watkins, then he overthrew Quez Watkins. But the fact that he made a bad read and a bad throw, a horrific decision into two – I won't even call it double coverage because they weren't even covered. No one was around. They weren't even covering anybody. He just threw it to two Vikings. It was egregious. But when well, I see something like that, I know he'll bounce back. There was a receiver there. He underthrew the ball, and, it was, there, were, and there were two DBs that stepped in front of the receiver. There was a receiver there. He miscalculated. He he saw a ghost. That's what okay. he did. He saw, okay. He saw a ghost, and it cost him in that one one particular moment. Okay. 
Jalen Hurts is very meticulous in terms of protecting the ball. We, 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 we saw that last year and we're going to continue to see that this year. Yeah. I don't worry. I don't worry about that. Hey, look, you know, with the style of football he plays, you know, two games into the season, he's still upright and breathing. Anthony Rich, Anthony Richardson has already been ruled out for the Colts next game. Yep. Bryce Young has already been ruled out for the Panthers next game. So your quarterback is still upright and breathing, you know, that's a big thing, you know, because he plays a physical, physical style. He like he's smart enough to get down when he has to, but he also likes to he also likes to push it a little bit, you know. And Oof. you know, that fumble in that first game where he got hit in the gut and coughed up that ball. I mean, thank goodness it was nothing more than a fumble. Wasn't a rib injury, a hand injury, anything like that, you know, because he got stuck and forced him to cough up that football. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not worried about Jalen Hurts, man. No, that's that's right. That's my point. That's my point. I, as, I, much, as much as I let this stuff swirl through my brain, I'm not worried about Jalen Hurts until it's like the fifth or sixth game. Uh, and if this continues, then I'm like, uh-oh, we got a problem here. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, mm-hmm. we got a problem. But I don't expect it to be five or six games for him to come out of this funk, to be, out, be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I just I feel like and you covered a lot of athletes. I don't know if you can agree or disagree with this, but I when I watch athletes, there's a lot of guys that, of course, the physical attributes are incredible and they're off the charts compared to anybody else. But what I really find from the great athletes is it's all about what's between the years. It's, it's not just about mental toughness and resiliency and all that stuff, but it's the ability to process what's in front of you and then turn it to your own advantage. That is, I think, what separates the the great ones from the really good ones. That's what separates them. It's the ability to diagnose what's in front and exploit it to your advantage. And I think Jalen Hurts, as time goes on, he'll get back to doing that. I have a lot of confidence he'll be able to do that because of the work ethic that we've seen and already the talent level that we've seen from Jalen Hurts. And then even beyond that, you think about what's around him. Look at the weapons he has. A.J. Brown, the, the, the riff, whatever you want to call it, the spat, the argument is nothing that I think is going to linger. I think people tried to really embellish what was going on in that whole situation way beyond the point of it being necessary. I think people have been so desperate for some storyline with the Eagles. Oh, now there's a wide receiver quarterback spat. Oh, goody. I don't think that's a real thing at all. So I don't really have any concern about that. I don't have any concern about that. But when it comes to everything else around him, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, what's in the backfield, the the fact that you have Kenny Gainwell and what DeAndre Swift gave you last week behind this offensive line, I, I have... The sky is the limit for this team. And I think the biggest concern isn't necessarily what's going down with Jalen Hurts. My biggest concern has to do with Brian Johnson. And I think Brian Johnson has to figure out some way, somehow, to help out Jalen Hurts and this offense and all these pieces and make sure the ball's getting spread around against Todd Bowles. I know the number one thing people are going to jump to because there's a history there with Jalen Hurts and Todd Bowles and the NFL Films crew catching somebody on the sideline in the playoff game saying Jalen Hurts doesn't know what the hell he's doing, basically. I know everyone's going to jump to that. But the chess match has to go beyond Hurts versus Bowles. It's got to go with the coaching of Nick Sirianni and the play calling of Brian Johnson. And I'm hoping over this long layoff, they have figured out whatever the hell was providing the bumps in the road and smoothed out that road to success. That's what I'm hoping this layoff did. So that's more the matchup I'm going to be looking for. Beyond Jalen Hurts, I'm going to be looking at Brian Johnson and the way he organizes this offense along with the game planning of Nick Sirianni. That's what I'm looking at in this matchup, Gunner, coming up against the Bucks. Okay. Let me ask you this, my astute colleague. Yes. Who should be more under the microscope going into this game Monday night? A, 
Nick Sirianni, B, Jalen Hurts, or C, Brian Johnson? C, Brian Johnson. Why? Because he's the different. He's the different uh, factor. We've seen Nick Sirianni be here doing the same thing he's been doing as far as game planning goes, and he's been good. He's got to a Super Bowl. We've seen Jalen Hurts and finish second to Patrick Mahomes in the MVP voting. Brian Johnson's ever called plays at the NFL level in the first two games. I'm unimpressed. He and another different coordinator are here, and Sean Desai as well. And Sean Desai looks like he's doing a bang-up job defensively with what he's got with those pieces. And now you're looking at a guy like Brian Johnson. And I said this in the preseason. I said this when he was named the play caller. I don't care that he has known Jalen Hurts since Jalen Hurts was four years old. You know what that is, Gunner? That's an adorable story. That's a beautiful talking point. But it's got nothing to do with how he calls plays. Wait, what? I'm emotional right now. It's a beautiful story. I'm emotional. Easy. I'm going to drop you for my fourth greatest philosopher. Anyway, uh, but when it comes to Brian Johnson, he, he wasn't calling plays. He wasn't calling plays for Jalen Hurts when he was four years old. This is a totally different animal. And we've we've seen transitions before in the past, and I hate to jump to it because it goes back to the Carson Wentz era, but we go, we've seen transitions in the past that haven't worked out. Press Taylor takes over. Was that as good as Frank Reich? Obviously not. I, I had – um, and I, I've quoted him a lot because I think it's such a brilliant tweet or X, whatever the hell you call it. Uh, Seamus Clancy of phillyvoice.com had a great tweet after week one against the Patriots, and it went something like this. It went something like, "How was you know, did the Eagles win? Yeah, and they covered. What it looked like? Worst game I ever seen in my life. You know, I feel like that summed it up really well. So I had Seamus on uh, my show uh, at, at 6 a.m., the, the Farsi show, and I, I read that back to him, and he was like, it, it's not only that's how you describe it. He goes, I have the feeling right now that Shane Steichen – was a bigger piece of the Eagles' success than Frank wa- Frank Reich was in the Doug Peterson era. And I paused. I thought about that, and I said, "Look, the proof will be in the pudding." But so far, that's a dead-on, accurate way to look at it because Shane Steichen, I thought, was a great play caller here in Philadelphia. So much so that Nick Sirianni eventually just said, "You know what? I shouldn't be doing this. It's all you." And no pun intended. He took it and ran with it. Brian Johnson, I haven't seen it yet. Now, look, it's two games, so I'm not smacking the panic button, as I've said earlier, but I haven't been impressed. Goal line situations outside of tush-push, for instance, I haven't been impressed. Red zone situations, I haven't been impressed. The fact that he could, again, just like we talked about Jalen Hurts having struggles, if Brian Johnson is struggling as a play caller, run, 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 success, 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 touchdown. That's an easy thing to default to or downshift to. So, yes, I put it more on Brian Johnson than anybody else. I um, I think Brian Johnson is the easy answer, but I would say Jalen Hurts because no matter what play is called in, the quarterback has to run it. Jalen Hurts has shown us last year he can step to the line of scrimmage. He can make audibles when need be based on what he's saying, and then he can execute it. Um, he has probably made those audibles again, but the execution has not been quite there. The, the the play caller tells you what to do. You have to go out and execute it because you've practiced it time and time, and time again. Jalen has not done it. So I believe Jalen is more under the microscope than Brian Johnson is right now. Now, mm-hmm. we do question 
some of the play calls is certain downs and distances that we've seen called. And if Jalen is running it to a T based on what Brian Johnson has told him and, and his utmost trust in Brian Johnson, which I do believe Jalen has the utmost trust in Brian Johnson, then of course it does boil down to the play calling. But even when a quarterback steps back, you are taught from the time you were in high school, college, and through the pros. If option one is not there, go through your progression. Jalen has not gone through his progression with the fluidity that we've grown accustomed to him seeing. So I say, I say, uh, you, you got to be kidding me. I'm sorry. I, I just, I got to deviate here for a minute. Why? Check this out. I saw this story and I'm like, are you kidding me? And I had to check with one of my friends who works for the Bears and confirm this. So I saw on Twitter. Now we know what the Bears is bad enough they're 0 2. People are already talking about Justin Fields' shot. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. What do you got? He came out and he he said maybe it's coaching. Then he had to backtrack <laughs> a few minutes later. All right. Then we hear the story of the coach who retired. And initially, FBI was all swarming the facility in his home and come to find out that wasn't true. So while we were talking in this last segment, I see something that pops up on Twitter that says, and it was under NFL memes. Uh, memes. And when memes, it's under right. memes, you got to be careful. So it says the Bears had recently had $100,000 and equipment stolen. And I'm thinking, first of all, it's under memes, and I got to check this out. So I just checked with my boy while we've been talking in Chicago, and he says, yep, lawnmowers and gators. What the heck is a gator? A gator is gator's like a little mini tractor. It's a four-wheeler, essentially. Okay, that's right. So it says Soldier Field, not the Bears. Soldier Field is owned by the Park District of Chicago. When it rains, it monsoons for us. So somebody stole $100,000 worth of equipment out of Soldier Field. How's that possible? You got, <laughs> you got surveillance cameras everywhere. How's that possible? They stole a hundred thousand dollars worth of mowers and gators. I don't know. You, re you realize how many that is? It's at least ten. And they stole them. 10. They stole them literally from the stadium, not like from a truck out back or something. Stole them from. Okay, right, let me tell you where they. I'm gonna say where they in the stadium or in the truck outside. Okay. Because there's not that many exit points from the stadium. I mean, I mean, you've been to Soldier Field, obviously. Um, here's the thing. <clears throat> A lot of those equipment, when you come to the stadiums, they have places underneath the stadiums where they house that stuff to keep. Oh, it sure. But I'm saying to get it out. Yeah. There's there's like one dock. You're right. You're right. There's one main ramp where trucks, big TV trucks, back up. But you think about it. You go to some of these more modern stadiums, even older stadiums, you know, for the for the team televising a national football game, you see the eighteen wheelers under underneath the stadium, yeah, stacked yeah, side yeah, by yeah. side. You know how that goes. You covered enough games, uh, you know, covering, um, <coughs> yeah, uh, something NBC, yeah. So obviously they're big enough. Let me see what he says. Is sounds like they were in the oh, sounds like they were in the attached parking lot. Okay, that okay, makes sense. all right, yeah. But, but look. Even in an attached parking lot, Mark, it's heavily gated. Yeah, right. You got the biggest and the most sturdiest padlocks known to mankind on these things. <laughs> so, so how in the world did they get these? But I'm sorry, I deviated from what we were discussing. I had to. No, no, I get it. I get it. That's that is that is pretty funny. I, I look. I know we got to get the birthdays. Two things you just mentioned, Soldier Field. I gotta gotta mention this. One of the things that's so amazing, if you ever ever get an opportunity to watch an Eagles game out there at Soldier Soldier Field, yeah, I I never even thought about it. People tailgate on their boats in the lake. 
Yes. Oh, yes. And then they come into the stadium because it's right there on the water. It's absolutely incredible. I've never, never seen that before. Same thing in Seattle. Same thing in San Francisco for baseball games. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there in the water. In, in Santa Clara, even. Right there in the water. Um, sure. People come up with their fabulous boats, dock, get out. When the game, especially in Seattle, man, when you see people leaving, you see them flooding to the water. Instead of a parking lot, they flood to the water. You don't have to worry about congestion. You know, you're gone. <sighs> um, and then lastly, Raymond James Stadium, 2008. Phillies had clinched their World Series ticket. They punched their World Series ticket. They were going to meet the Rays or the Red Sox in the World Series. And Gunner, I watched Game Seven. Yeah, I think it was. I think that went to a Game Seven. Rays and Red Sox. Yeah. On the field at Raymond James Stadium following a Sunday night football game. The baseball game was still going on. They put it up on the Jumbotron. And as fate would have it, I was wearing a Phillies t-shirt standing on the field at the end of a Sunday night game. And I was just, I got off the truck, went onto the field and just watched the rest of the game. And people, when the Rays won, people were calling me out, you know, see you in Phillies. And I'm like, bring it on. It was one of the coolest experiences. Everyone was so into it. I think the, I think the Bucks actually won That's that awesome. game. So people were in a good mood, but I'll never forget that as long as I live. There I stood as like a 23, 24-year-old in cargo shorts and a Phillies t-shirt on the field just watching them play, man. It was the coolest thing. Uh, hey, man, cargo shorts is still a thing. I love them. It's still a thing. I love cargo shorts. All the pockets. You have to understand. When I'm out working in the yard and stuff, all the stuff I'm carrying in my pocket. Nails, oh, okay. Okay. Roof, yeah. I love cargo shorts. I wear them every day. I still buy them. I love them. I'll never stop buying. What do you wear? Bermuda shorts there, big boy? I don't wear shorts, Gunner. I never wear shorts. shorts. What do you mean you don't wear shorts? I don't ever wear shorts. You don't wear shorts in the summer. I never wear shorts. Golf pants. Golf pants have saved my life. Well, because I don't have pretty legs like all the other girls. No, um, I I just, I don't like shorts. (laughs) I I wear golf pants pretty much year round. Golf pants and jeans. I just don't, I don't like wearing shorts. You're about as weird as Rob Ellis, man. What the heck is wrong with you? I just don't – I don't like shorts. I find them to be – if I'm playing basketball, uh, if I play golf, I don't I, – I actually – I still wear the golf pants in golf. But I – if I'm doing something outside, mowing the lawn or something like that, I'll wear shorts. But when it comes to us, any type of social or public setting, slacks. Wear a nice pair of slacks. Are you, so you're, are you still a guy who wears those coaches? We used to call them coaches shorts in the 80s. I do they not were, wear the coaches. They were tight. <laughs> the guy, hold on. The guys that, they, they always have the, like the, the playbook or the, the, the plays like in their pants. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. the pants, yeah. Yes. And they're, they're walking around like, come on, you got to get your hands out. Got to get your hands out. Come on, man. Seriously. Man, you're weird, dude. I just don't like shorts. with all these weird people? I don't wear shorts. I don't like shorts. I'm a, I'm a pants guy. I wear my pants. Oh, my you need to get some sun, some sun on those pasty legs, bro. Oh, they are pasty. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they are. They're, they're, they're. I'm gonna say this. They're 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 ugly. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. The, the thighs. I got ugly thighs. Jeez, I don't want to know about your thighs, dude. I, hey, hey, you keep that to yourself. I don't want to know about your thighs. I do. That's why I wear pants. You're welcome. I don't care about your thighs. I'm just letting you know now. <laughs> what what birthdays you have, my friend? Oh, I was telling we got. Whoa, we got like a minute and a half. Okay, we have yeah. Thomas Felton. Um, Who's uh, Draco uh, Malfrey from the Harry Potter? Joan Jett, musician, 56, uh, 65 today. Bonnie Hunt, actress Bonnie Hunt, Rain Man, The Green Mile, 62. Bob Sapp, who played in the remake of The Longest Yard, funny as heck, big dude, is uh, 50 on this day. 
Uh, let's see. Tommy Lasorda was born born on this day in 1927. All Scott right. Bale, Scott who was Chachi from Happy Days, is 62. Uh, Carlos Correa, the shortstop for the Twins, is 29. Debbie Boone, the singer, is 67. Uh, David Stern, a former NFL uh, NBA commissioner, NBA. born yeah. on this day, 1942. Uh, Sherry Belafonte, the daughter of the great singer Harry Belafonte, is 69 today. Uh, John Houseman, great, great actor, great voice, great English voice, very deliberate, uh, was born on this day in 1902. Uh, Hassan Reddick is 29 today. Uh, Martha Scott, who was in a Ten Commandments, great movie, The Old One with Charlton Heston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Her. She was born on this day in 1912. Our good friend Harold Carmichael is 74 today. Love, uh, Love yeah. Harold Carmichael. And one of your favorites, the rapper Mystical is 53 today. Oh, like this. You don't know nothing about Mystical, man. No, no, come on, man. Me and Mystical, we walk around. He doesn't wear shorts either. He just wears pants. I can't talk to either one of you. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> can't talk to you. I'm done with you. Done with both of you. Um, Gunner, this has been a pleasure as always, my friend. Hey, I don't even know. What time do I break? Do I break now? Soon? Yeah, we got a break now. It's 57. We gone. We yeah. gone. Hey, everyone in the chat, thanks for tolerating me. You guys are fantastic. Much appreciated. You guys are great. Um, Thank you, Tone. Tone for producing. Tone, wonderful job producing. Absolutely. Tone Loke, thank you, brother. Uh, that's Derek Gunn. He'll be back with you guys on Monday. I'll be back with you guys tonight uh, for Fighting's postgame, hopefully after a Phillies win over those uh, those pesky New York Metropolitans. My name is Mark Farzetta. It was a blast filling in for the great Rob Ellis. Once again, that's Gunner Tone Produce. Did a wonderful job. For everyone at the Jacob Media Sports Channel, much appreciated. Uh, and what do you got, Sills coming up next? Yep, big Sills coming up for three hours. You never know when The Rock will just stop by. That's all he was on the other day, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, just hanging yep. out. Yep. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, pleasure as always. Have a great uh, weekend. Enjoy uh, Dan Cilio with Big Sills, the National Football Show, coming up next. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.